everybody welcome to episode 51 of the nfp podcast presented by 3d entertainment the nfp podcast is brought to you by riverside dodge the official truck sponsor and dealership of the show as well as hooked up enterprises as the official in arena gear of the nfp podcast and we can't forget wrangler the official clothing sponsor of the show wrangler long live the cowboys what is up friends out there in the world episode 51 shit's been happening we've been busy there's been events on the go we've been on the road we're back sorry for the hiatus as usual we're back though 51 lots to talk about lots to get into we've had events up at Oak Ridge. we've had canada cup events we've had a bunch of shit on the go crazy stuff that we'll get all into but first we got the boys back the gang's all back together jason davidson on the road on the drive how you doing buddy lt well, I just want the audience to know Scott and I have been trying to do a podcast for the last three weeks, but Tanner wouldn't do one. Just to get that out there. First I'm thing I'm thing. on the road, but I'm not moving, so I'm aggravated right now. Why Very are you going to go? A load of pipe right in front of me at a standstill. I'm nice. Not quite sure. I can't see around it. The joys of Canadian uh, summers and construction and all that. Oh sort of yeah, stuff well, then, fixing all then, the winter potholes. Then, then you should be laying pipe all that long. Holy shit. Is this an epi of teaching John? <laughs> uh, Scott Bird, that's you. How you doing, buddy? Good to have you back. Yeah, good. Good to be back. A little hiatus, but yeah, like you said, we made a, made a lot of miles. Done a lot of stuff in three weeks or whatever it's been. So good to be back. She's been full steam. What have you been doing, Scott? Well, I've been going to your events and going to some uh, Canada Cup Series events and doing some haying, and yeah, I've just been mixed bag of tricks around here, so uh, been keeping busy, that is for sure. Full steam Have we ahead. had a pod since Red Deer? No, I don't think so. No, our last one wow. was uh, right after my event at home there, so yeah, we're three weeks fucking deep here, boy, so yeah, I apologize to all the listeners for uh, for that, but uh, if you've been following along with all of our stuff on social media and whatnot, we've had a uh, couple Canada Cup events, Regina, Red Deer, um, Brandon, um, and then we've had a wedding in between there too. Thomas Byrne gets married. We've had the event up at Elk Ridge, uh, just a bunch of shit on the go. Jason, you got to be uh, right in the, the fucking thick of free agency, right, with hockey? Is that going on right now? Has that been yeah, your main one goal? Week. Yeah, we'll draft tomorrow and Friday, and then – and then free agency is one week from today, 13th. So do you got some kids in the draft? What are you looking at there with uh, Thunder yeah. Creek? Yeah, got a kid. Gonna He'll be in the second half of the draft, Edmonton Oil King kid. Had a real good showing at the Memorial Cup. Hattie in a fight in one game. And then the calls just start coming. It's amazing. One game. Scores three and gets in a fight and beats the guy up that everybody wants can you blame him? <laughs> no, not at fighting. all. None. Yeah, not with today's fun. game. Yeah. Exactly. Shit. So well, we should job. fucking rip it in right now. Let's get her fucking going. Stanley Cup champion, former guest on the podcast, our boy Josh Manson, Colorado Avalanche. What a fucking win. And by the way, Jason Scott, don't know if you know this or not, but that was my pick for the win. So I took that one there. We can <laughs> we can pass up. Pass a bottle of Pendleton back and forth. Scott will share. Yeah. That's Jason's right. got yeah. the win one. Jason, have you won anything yet from the bets or no? Yeah, last year I cleaned up. 
Oh, I bet nobody even remembers that. I did. I had <laughs> the. I. I didn't. I. I had the bull and the. Did I not have the rider too? Well, if you can't remember, it doesn't count. So. <laughs> wow, I got other shit to worry about. <laughs> All I know is I've kept track of the two bottles of Pendleton that are coming my way. And yes, Tanner, I will throw one back your way. Thanks. We'll share it. We'll share it. Hunting yeah. this year. Yeah. yeah, uh, but yeah. Huge shout out, Josh Manson. I've been going back and forth with him. What a crazy thing it is when they when they win that Stanley Cup. These guys are like absolute professionals, just take care of their bodies, just you know, like the the top of the line as you can get with all the different trainers, different shit they have. Then they win the cup and just go full fucking PBR bull rider and just wild cat and fucking yeah. game on. Oh, no regard. Right. No regard for one's safety or health. No, none, right? It's fucking wild. It's so cool to see that it's, it's becoming like a thing too now where uh, who can have the best parties or who can do kind of the wildest shit, right? It kind of started with Washington with Ovechkin and them guys when they won it. And then these last few years, Tampa, now the Avs, they've just been rolling. Those parades, like if you go online and look at like the Stanley Cup parades, how nuts is that shit? Do you guys see any of that? Yep. They were trying to, I saw, I forget who the player was. Oh, oh it was Bowen Byram. Um, the cops were trying to push him back into the crowd, thought he was because he looked so young. Well, he is young. Yeah. And uh, he was visiting with with uh, a bystander on the side of the road and the cops were going to let him back onto the float or onto the vehicle that he was traveling on. <laughs> and then the crowd's like, he's a player. He's a player. <laughs> uh, and how about the abuse that they put on the Stanley Cup itself? Right. Fucking 10 seconds. Right into the first, the damn yeah, thing. exactly. <laughs> I've heard some good stories too from the outside of uh of well you see and there's a viral video of uh McDermott, the big tough guy. Um he was standing in the bar at the end of the night and had it up over his head. And they said that thing's fucking heavier than you think it is, like 35 pounds plus, and then you're holding it over your head or behind 37. You. 37. And then plus all you know, the fucking wobbly pops that you've smashed into your guts, and he had it kind of kind of speed leaned and then got back back. And I mean went right Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There's a video <laughs> on TikTok where we just smashed it. So Josh said they got a call and it was like, okay, boys, like seriously, like that's three good solid dents in the sucker. Like you gotta start fucking taking care of it here. I also heard that they they had it in the pool and hoping that it would float. I don't know if this is true or not. This didn't come from Josh. This was just one something that I heard, but they had it in the pool and um sure as shit, that thing will sink. And they thought it would probably float and then suction cup to the bottom of the pool. And it took the whole team to get it back up. <laughs> oh man. But uh, Jonathan Taze, I heard did that uh, like somewhere out in Ontario dropped her to the bottom of the fucking lake and they had to get divers in to, to come and get it, which is what I said to Josh. He was, uh, he's bringing it home. He's bringing her back. I don't know when yet. We still got to get all that figured out, but um and that's another thing too like around here right it's hockey is the biggest thing in the world so you got to figure out how you're going to do it what way you're going to do it where you can kind of give it to the community and show the community but then kind of take it for yourself and have it as yourself but it, you just bring it home there's going to be people flocking from all over trying to see that thing or be a part of it right so the biggest yeah, thing get it for a day. one day right so you want to enjoy it for yourself but you also want to give back and you know your minor hockey and all the shit that you grew up doing. You want to give that back to the kids and to the other people that were kind of helped you along the way. But then you want to fucking take it on the boat and just have your own free time with it, right? And that's kind of what he said is the best times that he's had so far has just been like doing normal shit, and then you look over and it's just sitting there like it's up on the yeah. table or something. I would make, I would make the best salted margarita you ever seen in your life. Yeah, in that sucker. 
would Josh drink something out of it? Would Josh have been an East End Ranger in Prince Albert? Well, Josh was different. He was he was uh because like Dave was still playing when he was young. So he was actually born in Illinois and then he hit the road and then he came back around Pee Wee, like his first year Pee Wee when Dave retired. And he actually played out in Buckland for like Park Parkland or Park Range or whatever. It was like kind of all those small communities out there. And then when they moved back to PA from the lake, they bought a house just outside of PA. Then he came back, but we were always playing double A. So we played for like the Cosmo Ice and all the like the, the developmental teams and all the travel teams and shit. So yeah, but no, he's a PA boy through and through. So that's pretty, pretty epic. First, well, we looked at back, there was an older boy way back in the day that won a Stanley Cup from Prince Albert and then um, Josh as well. So it's pretty freaking wild. His dad played 16 years in the NHL, never did win a cup. So Dave was there in Lana and they got to share that with the fam. And it just seems like it, it's a world championship to us, right? Oh, yeah. that's, you're, 100%. You're won, you won the world. Hardest man. trophy in hardest trophy in sports to win. Yeah, so cool, and you can see it in their their like just their passion and their when they win that thing, right? You can just see how freaking amazing that is, and all those guys like Eric Johnson and Cogliano. You know, you're 15, 16 years in the league, and at the end of your career, is not thinking you're gonna get it, and then you get it, right? So fucking well, and future future NFP uh, podcast guest Curtis Lasician, a good Mm -hmm. friend of ours. He also will get his name engraved on the cup for a second time. Yeah. Um, he won it back in 96 as a player and as a pro scout this year. Um, Josh is in for a pretty good ticket coming up here in the next week, too. Yeah, UFA. See what he can get. Stanley Cup, that has to add to your uh, to your price. Does it not, Jason? Or what well, is that? Well, about the end-to-end goalie snipe, too. Yeah. And the, the end battle, end, battle. doing his best Kale McCarr impression there. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think he'll stay there, Jason? In your best, I don't guess? think they have the cap space to do it. Um, but if they lose Kadri, that'll free up some. It's tough. It's it's hard to keep those teams together. Like oh, you're yeah. always going to deal with. You know, there's either RFAs that are due, restricted free agents due for a big raise, and you know, nine times out of 10, you got one or two unrestricted free agents. And even if it's just a lower, and I don't want to use the word lower end, but, a, a, a you know, a guy on a, on a, on a lighter cap hit, you, you just, they're due for a raise because they've won a, on a, won a cup. And then you got to have the scouting staff that's going to find you something, someone to fill those skates. And, you know, yeah. does, does the magic in the room leave when you lose a guy like uh, Josh Manson? You know, he was only there for whatever, four months, but you know, I would, I would think those would be uh, tough shoes to fill. Um, so I don't know, you know, and it's up to Josh if he thinks he's made enough money and he can afford to take a, what would you, what you would call a hometown discount? Like that plays into it. in, in some of these contracts, you know, sometimes you got to take a hometown discount to keep your family happy too. You know, it's, it's just not all about you, although yeah. that's how we all think, but it's not how it goes. Yeah, and then that's another thing that plays into it. Um, I haven't talked to Josh on it, but they're talking in the media that, you know, his, his wife and stuff, and they have a house in Anaheim. So the media is saying that he's probably going to want to go back to Anaheim. But in my opinion, you won the cop. You got a few years left. You want to sign a big-ass fucking ticket in a state that has no fucking tax is what I would try to do if I've already won the cup. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah, and this will be his last one. So he wants to get as long and as much as he can out of it. How old's Josh? Your age? 
year older than me. Yep. So he's what? Thirty. What are you guys now? I'm thirty. Thirty-one. Yeah, he's thirty-one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, and now for a team, how long do they want to go into guys' thirties? You know, especially the way Josh plays. Like he plays a rough and and hard nosed game. So, what's his body going to be like in four years? Yeah. Yeah. That's. But he's he's gonna make a few schmill, no question. Oh yeah, yeah. fucking sign him a ticket, boys. And then McKinnon, he's up next year too, so they got to leave room for well, that, right? that. He's gonna double his pay, literally yeah. double it. Yeah. Um, that is a, uh, you know, at the time they got a good, you know, he, I think he did a six times six and a half times six, so what, thirty eight or forty million? Yeah. Um, they said that yeah, was a be... hometown discount to try to. Oh win. man, yeah. that's the best bargain in hockey right now. You know, really. So, so I, so they got a plan for that in a year too. So there's another thing as a GM, you got to, and the, and the salary caps only going up 1 million this year and 1 million next year. I just, I just want to say that I signed a contract for Schmill and two Hornets one time. (laughs) Scotty signed the, well, he signed the mill as the goalie and then he got a a bonus every time he played center. And then when he played the wing. He, I, I'm kind of stretching to you guys. It was probably just a couple hundred bucks, but hey, who's, who's keeping track? Got paid to ref too sometimes. Fuck all yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. That's it. <laughs> oh, no, but super amazing, super fucking huge shout out to, to Josh. It's that's, you know, watching along and got to go to a couple of games when he got traded to Colorado and then during the playoffs when him and Dave played each other and then rolling in and beating the back to back champions, Tampa Bay Lightning. It's really a storybook uh, type of type of event and being, you know, tied to him so close and being able to watch what he went through the ups and downs, just, yeah, tip of the hat to him and, and uh, well-deserved true professional, you know, puts everything on the line, takes care of himself. Um, he really got that out of the, out of the group compared to me. He really takes care of himself. <laughs> congrats, huge congrats to him. And then leading into that as well, Curtis decision. And, and, you know, we did the, we were up at Elk Ridge for the PBR event. We could get into that. Uh, but we did uh, the tribute to them showed uh, during one of the breaks showed them winning the cup and, and had Curtis speak on it. And he talked about how the biggest thing for him after already winning the cup was seeing guys like Josh and like Cogliano and those guys see their dreams come true. And that kind of just shows the person I think that Curtis is, is where it wasn't about him. And that's a lot of these hockey guys. It's similar to bull riding guys there. You know, it's kind of the same sort of lifestyle, but uh, they make a lot more money than us. But um <laughs> same sort of lifestyle, but it's like that they all talked about in their speeches was how much it meant to them to see that other guy win it. Jason, is that how kind of lots of these guys are? Well, on a winning team. Yeah. That's why they're a winning team. I think so those kind of guys that, you know, there's no I in the word team. You've heard that one before. Um, They just don't fit in the room. So yeah, you surround yourself with guys that you want to go to war with and, and who you're going to bleed you know, who you're going to bleed for in the dressing room. That's, that's what wins cups. Exactly. That's what happened at the Hornets games. all the time. Okay. Elkridge, let's hop into that one. That event was, uh, was, was pretty awesome. In my opinion, I don't know what you guys thought of it. You guys have been, oh, who's the the producer there? I wonder who the producer was at the, but we're already hopping right to Elkridge. Shit. We yeah. forgot three of the TSN televised cup events, Scott. We're going to get Imagine there. that. We're going to get there. The, the, the Lysician thing led into. Yes, uh, no, it was event. great. It was a good time. And, uh, you know, I said this 
to you and I said it to Mr. Danberg up there, it would be suicide to to do a, a May long or a August long weekend somewhere for a PBR event, unless it's the right spot. And that is the right spot. Like yeah. Yeah. I told those guys, you guys want to do this on a long weekend. It's your date. It's your date to lose. So let's get planning. So, um, you know, speaking of old hockey players, our number two guest, uh, Kevin Kaminsky came down from LaRange for, with a couple community members and, uh, so whenever we go to Elkridge, we're going to, we're going to kick her off a couple of days ahead up in LaRange. So they loved it. Absolutely loved it. Said, yeah, we can do this in our town and the town will embrace it and love it. So do you, do you think I could double dip and get a gig playing at the zoo again? Like yes. I used to play drums in the zoo, man. I could go in there and rip off some drummers there and just have a band. It'd be good. God get damn. Some beer bottles thrown at you. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. It, was there, a, was there like a, like on roadhouse? Did you have like a, chicken wire fence in front of you uh no but we should have it was rough uh that that was at that was at the broadway in prince albert they had an actual chicken mesh in front of the stage yes yes Ah, i want to be i would i would have rather been raised in those days i have a feeling nobody made a real good living at liability insurance or insurance brokers (laughs) back then because there was probably no such thing no no yeah it was it, it was sign on the i don't give a fuck line you're good. <laughs> the what line? <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I'm going to put that in my next contract. See if anybody wants to sign that. Yeah. Right? Sign the, I yeah. don't give a fuck. Line. <laughs> no, it was cool. The event up there and, and uh, just that spot, I guess lots of people, what I got, what I enjoyed most about it was like, even just people from PA that have never been, mm-hmm. they're not golf people. They've never been to that Elk Ridge resort and then rolled in there. And now are huge fans and will be back as yes. much as they can be in the winter, summer, all through it. You know what I mean? We brought yeah. in hundreds and hundreds, yeah. thousands of people that are now going to be uh, a part of the community up there at Elk Ridge. Yeah. You know, what else? you know what else is people aren't going to wait for the tickets to um, two weeks before the event to buy them next year either. Yeah. Well, we didn't even hardly advertise because it sold out within the first I know. couple of weeks. Right. And then, I bet, like, no joke. I bet between Elkridge and myself, we left probably a thousand uh, tickets on the table for sure, at least without even advertising. Yeah, so it. now you now you know what now you know what it feels like to have a whole bunch of new friends the week of an event, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. And hats off, like, you know, to the whole, the the owners, uh, Ryan Danberg, Ryan Wells, you know, that all came from me and him just sitting around he came to the bull ride to my place the one day and it's like hey do you think we could do this at elkridge I'm like fuck you sure can bud and then that's kind of yeah. you know it went from there went to danberg uh, and then uh darlene up there she runs marketing and stuff for for them and they were kind of the they took it and ran with it once we got her going and i thought you know like the way that they set it up with the tents and the the vip areas and then kind of the couches and all the stuff in the back like it felt pretty corporate right it felt very yeah. professional and yep. they did a they did a hell of a job with uh especially that for the Darlene's first year go get her i yeah. liked her yeah she, she ever take her on yeah. the road with me yeah. yeah yeah no that was a lot of fun so i think uh yeah we'll keep that stuff rolling and then our crew up there, Riverside Dodge, one of the shoot sponsors. Scotty, what'd you do? Did you get yourself a truck, buddy? 
Well, hey, yeah, I rolled into town the day of, stopped in PA and walked into Riverside Dodge, shook Ty Moe's hand, went and sat in his office for an hour, an hour and a half, and bought myself a brand new 2022 Dodge truck. <laughs> and you know what? It was that. It was that. It was exactly like there. We sat there. We built a truck where he's just ordered it yesterday. It'll be here in a month or so. And uh, you had said it before that it was no bullshit. I didn't ask one question on price he said this is that this is here that's it and boom shook his i actually waited to shake his hand till he got up to elkridge and when he walked up i shook his hand and said done deal so yeah great crew great that, that, that whole crew of guys from riverside uh top-notch human beings and uh great to deal with so that something to be said i'm seven hours away from there and i bought a truck there so yeah, that's good. We golfed with Joe too. Joe Weiner's one of the owners. Joe, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was kind of fun. Well, okay, wait, let's get to this ad read. That was an ad read, Scott. Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jason, that was an ad read. So, get me one. But we got to get to the ad read. Riverside Dodge in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan is the home of the award winning Ram truck. They're the brand you trust to haul a trailer load of rank bulls along with your crew up front in the cab. Whether you want to go check fences or tailgate outside the next PBR event, the boys at Riverside Dodge have the right truck for you. Riverside Dodge is not only the dealer of choice in northern Saskatchewan, but also sells and services all across western Canada. Go see Ty and the gang at Riverside Dodge for a fair, no-bullshit deal on your next truck and tell them Tanner sent you. Riverside Dodge of Prince Albert is the official truck sponsor and dealership of the NFP Podcast. I, okay, let's adjust that. Let's next time say, tell them ketchup nuts sent you and see if they know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> Cinnamon dick sent you. <laughs> oh my God. I like it. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. good. The, speaking of the of the golf, though, we were talking, that was kind of an added aspect too. I think a lot of the guys like that, and I, I said it during the perf, it's like when you, and Jason, you know how it goes, when you treat the guys good and you give them some different stuff and activities to do it it always seems to make the riding better plus you can make the ground really terrible and then the bulls won't buck as hard and they can ride a lot better yeah, yeah. that that and keep duke boom out of the lineup that was probably a <laughs> plus for you too oh that would have been the perfect place to have duke boom no right shit. Down. if you're gonna tie your hand to him that's probably where you wanted to try it yeah no, i'm just but glad i had nothing to do with the dirt yeah, that Speaking, was my bad. That was my just bad. Just rolling into our guest for today. I'm just glad that that had nothing to do with me. <laughs> All kidding aside, though, that that resort is jaw dropping. Like you see that shit on TV. No, no, it's just you know, 45 minutes north of Prince Albert. Uh, it, like I jumped on the cart with you and Jesse, just rode around for a couple holes, and it is amazing that place. I, I, it's so, it's yeah, it's jaw dropping. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Pretty cool. Yeah, it really isn't to think that it's sat, you know, fucking abandoned for a few years there. And, you know, kind of there was, you know, they had to keep it up kept and then went to the bank. And then this new ownership group just rolled in. And it's pretty cool to see that they, they've taken it now and, and what they can do with it and what they've done with it with these live events. And they got a bunch of different stuff planned. And it's cool because it is. It's an amazing spot. The golf is, well, the PGA Canada was there the weekend before we were there. Right. So it's the golf is as good as you can get. And yeah. uh, the facilities, Jason, you got, you stayed in the, in the resort, like in the rooms. Hey, like it's, I stay in the cabin. It's beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Really nice. No, it's first class. You know what? They're doing a great job. I've been to a, another event up there that they hosted a year ago and um, yeah, it's they're, they're a great spot. It, 
they should be proud of what they've done there. 100%. Okay. Well, sorry that I went past your TSN events. Jesus. But let's get back to them. A lot of talk in the bull riding world. Uh, bulls have been great. My opinion, Ted stepping up as the front runner for bull of the year, looking really great. My pick, Happy Capper, doing great. Blake Smith, one of the hottest young guys all winter, now rolling into the summer, uh, kicking ass. Wins Elkridge, mm-hmm. win Brandon. Um, we'll start with Brandon, best, I guess. Best Scott ride Adams. all year. Best ride all year in Elkridge. That so was unreal, far. hey? That was badass. Yep. Way from his hand, too, and the bull was moving yep. ahead. And fucking first shows 90, it. I think, too, isn't it? Was That's that the first said. 90? I yeah. think so. Yeah, he said it was his first 90, too. So. No, I think it's our first 90 in PBR, isn't it, for the year, for the season? Yeah, maybe first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first one I've seen. I think. Yeah, we might get corrected yeah. on that, but I think so. But yeah, badass bull ride of. I can't remember what that bull's name was. One of Jim Thompson's though. Fucking. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, ain't about, ain't about fame. fame. Yeah, that was a good, good bull, good bull ride. Brandon, though, I missed it. I was at a wedding. Cousin Thomas, I was the best man at that sucker, and boy, was it fun. Whew, couple of days <laughs> worth. Uh, I had to miss Brandon for that one, but uh, they said it went off great. Right, the uh, crowd was unreal. Scott, hometowner, I was at. Yeah, they packed the place. First time that place has been packed in a lot of years. Uh, and then to think it was for a, a PBR bull ride was amazing. I, I said to you guys several times leading up to it that there was a lot of hype around it. And there was, um, you know, the the building was packed. It was it was warm in there. That's definitely you don't really no. see 30, 33 and 34 above in June. But uh, you know what? They they drank a lot of beer and there was a lot of hooting and hollering outside the building afterwards. People having fun and. The guys come to town and put on a hell of a show and production was on point. And uh, I've gotten lots of comments about, you know, even from people that have been to some bull ridings and people that haven't afterwards uh, were just amazed at uh, the production that goes into um, one performance of, you know, PBR Canada Cup uh, of uh, bull riding. So, yeah, it was awesome. Number three event in beer sales in that building over the last x amount of years the memorial cup in 2010 one night was the number one and then they had a sold out country concert there scott a few years ago yeah then yeah then the people yeah it was so i take that as a dare that's a dare I'm going to, uh, we'll promote that next year before everybody gets in the place. We've got to break records this year, fellas, get to the bar. Yeah. right. Yeah. Well, people aren't afraid to party at a bull ride. I'll tell you what, that Oak Ridge, that, you know, that's, you know, the, the beer sales of that sucker too, man. Everybody, everybody loves drank, them right out time. Of spice, drank them right out of spiced rum and whiskey. Yep. Yeah. A friend told me that too. They were like, they're all sold out over there. So yeah. I was like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Better start selling darts up there too. I just sold fucking a couple. Of oh shit. <laughs> there was a, there, there was, everybody was rationing cigarettes. At the end oh the my God. I had a, I woke up the next morning and uh, reached in the right pocket, had half a butt. <laughs> Saved you. Cause butt. I was going to stay with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's gold. Yeah. yeah. No, good, uh, good times. Then we rolled into Red Deer uh, once again. Kind of a cool event. Uh, Scott, you missed that one. Jesse Byrne rolled in. Hey, shout out Jesse Byrne too. Fighting Bulls at Elk Ridge. Two Canadian events uh, that he, he's going to do this year is Elk Ridge and the uh, Calgary Stampede. So that was pretty fun. Uh, I got to fight with him. Two-man, just me and him rolled. He said that's the first time he's fought two-man in five, six years since he was rodeoing. So 
Yeah, it was yeah and, you, and and hats off to you guys because you were rolling. I mean, that we've talked about the ground, and uh, but I mean, if she's tough slugging out there when it's like that, and you guys, uh, there was a couple sitches there that you got guys out of, not only guys out of, but got yourselves out of, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and I know a safety it, man and a safety and man out of, yeah, no shit. <laughs> I, I said he to that guy, bought a lottery ticket, he should have went straight to a confectionery and bought a lottery ticket after yeah. that. I, I did say to him afterwards, that's an awful feeling when you're laying down on the ground and there's one coming around at you. And he goes, oh, my God, that is not good. His horse not saved good. him. I watched the video. 100%. That, that horse, that bull just kept trying to hook the horse, and he was right fucking underneath of his head, didn't see him, just yeah. kept going after the horse. Yeah. <laughs> Danger zone. Yeah. Uh, speaking of bullfighting, before we roll on, Another ad read. Let's go. Let's go. Our boys that hooked up. I just got my jersey, my new ones, my Riverside jerseys. Wait till you guys see these. Timo actually told me I look like a Capri Sun, but I think I look pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bust them out in Bonalto this weekend. But uh, hooked up, hooked up enterprises for the biggest moments under the brightest lights in the biggest situations. Get hooked up. Hooked Up Enterprises is a creative partner for Western sports and beyond, providing customized arena wear for some of Rodeo's most elite athletes. And the -the state-of-the-art arena wrap displays products for some of Western sports' most prestigious events. They are the official in-arena gear of the NFP podcast. Find out more at www.gethookedup.com. That's get-hookedup.com. Or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Stand up, stand out, and stay hooked. Yeah, these things look fucking sick. These new ones that I got, I'll be sharing them here right away. I just want to say thanks to Hooked Up for uh, my young, my young up and comer, Braden Byrne, is getting his jerseys next week. Uh, yeah. He, um, they helped him design them, different ideas, you know, made it look classy and professional. And, uh, you know, that's if you look professional, you will be professional. And he's going to step out there and, and look the part. So thanks to them for, uh, hooking them up with uh new jerseys yeah they're nice nice material too Got pockets in the in the shorts which i love yeah. keep my cell phone with me for when i'm getting taped up <laughs> all that sort of shit no. Uh, no they're great great uh great gear they're like i said they were the ones who made that monster stuff for me and then now these new riverside ones i haven't shared them out there yet but people are gonna really dig those now, like you say i just sent them logos sent them what i wanted and said hey you kind of they you know listeners of the podcast i'm not worried about whatever design me something badass and this is what they came up with and it's freaking cool so I, yeah great I, be- I, I believe Braden, like his older cousin tanner is rocking the nfp on his too so Hell yeah all good yeah that's right <laughs> i love picking, seeing people rocking that nfp bring it on yeah, yeah that's awesome see the hat stickers and the caps that's good good to see the sport Braden, getting into that let's go there scott how's that going have we seen him uh after you were done at Elkridge, you had to rip out that next morning and went to Ben Goff to his first uh, BRC event. Looked like he had great success. Yeah, it was a beautiful six-hour drive south to the town of Ben Goff. And yeah, he fought his first uh, BRC for Ben Kincaid, who's a producer out in this East Country. Um, yeah, man, he, he killed it. Uh, did really good. And he's, uh, you know, it's fu- it's nice to see reading that play we always talk about as bullfighters reading that play before it's happening and getting yourself in the right position and uh him and uh his partner jim bob there that was fighting with them they did an excellent job and and hats off to ben kincaid by the way who ran a excellent production there and 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 give Braden a shot at 
at being there for the first time. So things are cruising along. That's for sure. Ben, ben he had to do the six hour track too then, huh? Yeah. He, he drove played, all night. Yeah. He took her down right after the event and drove through. Oh yeah. Ben, yeah. don't fuck around. Ben will get the job done. Yeah. That was yeah. the, the Elk Ridge crew. They were talking about him. How, you know, there's lots of different power issues and different shit like that. And he's got the tools to, to get the job done. So. That's he great. told me after after your event there last year when I had to bring something from Saskatoon there, he's just like, I've got two of everything now, JD. It's not yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. uh, great guy. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. Um, one shout out I got to give to uh, Jared Parsonage is, I think, but when when this podcast comes out, if the, updates, if the standings get updated, he's going to be top 10 in the world. Top 10 in the mm-hmm. PRCA standings. So... Big shout oh, yeah? out to him. Yeah, yeah. After the after Jay, Pinoca, Pinoca. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's got a shot at them yellow box shoots. And that was kind of his goal. You know, he's getting in the later part of his years. And uh, it'd be pretty cool to see him go there. So congrats, Jared. Good job at Pinoca. Lonnie West, same thing. Fuck. Awesome well, how shit. about Lonnie West? How much money has Lonnie won here? 22000 out of Pinoca. 22000 out of Pinoca. And that week of uh, Regina. Johnny didn't know no good, but Brandon and what else was on for PBRs? Uh, I think uh, another 10 grand in two PBR events. Yeah, he last won week. one. Yeah, he, he was the number one man going into Regina. I remember that mm-hmm. in the intros. So, yeah, riding hot. Good to see him healthy, like we always said. As long as he can stay fucking healthy, he can contest oh, yeah. with the best of them in the world. So, it's good to see him rolling. I had the opportunity to interview Jared at uh, Regina and then we got talking afterwards and you can see he struggled a little bit at the end of last year, maybe a little bit at the start of this year, but he's got that new baby boy and the smile on his face. He is just so happy to be a dad and you can tell he's just wanting to, he's, he's healthy, he's happy. And when your mind's right and you're healthy, great things happen. And, and that's the mindset he's in right now. So I think the world's, the world's his oyster for the rest of the year. And I probably see him in front of the yellow bucket shoots. So yeah, be badass. Really cool to see going back to the bullfighting side of things. We can kind of use that as uh, this is one of our, our bullfighting episodes. I should have used that as the start, but we got the, the big dog Rhino. We got Ryan Byrne on the pod. Finally, after uh Many of uh, months and weeks of trying to get it lined out. We wanted to do it live. Couldn't get it done live, well, so we ended up doing it That's good he wouldn't Zoom. talk to you. You finally got him to cool off from Elkridge. <laughs> we would have we ripped this pod on Sunday, but he was still pissed and fuming at you. So we had to let, we yeah, we had had to let the, fume, the, fire, the fire die down a little bit. We had to have a family meeting, regroup. <laughs> <laughs> family meeting. <laughs> it was the best. I'm not going to lie. You guys, I freaking loved it because it wasn't me. He was <laughs> mad at for a change. It was beautiful. It was, a. it was, a. I wish I could have videoed it. I should have had a videographer work at it. Cause Oh man, was it some valuable footage. Just he was, epic. He was mad it, at me. The second best part of that Jason is it wasn't me either. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly i were i rolled over to blaine after the first bull bucked and augured uh, halfway down to china and i said to blaine <laughs> i'm like are you not glad this isn't our dirt and he said yep <laughs> yep <laughs> oh. live and learn life in the yeah. past life we got over it we, we got a lots of we got lots of rides out of it didn't hurt any bulls so that was all well and, and you know what all kidding aside 
they jumped out and rode the first four or five, did they not? I believe, and and some and some pretty decent rides. It wasn't like bulls weren't bucking at all; they were still bucking. Yeah. And some young, we that was kind of the the storyline that night. We had, you know, five six really good veterans there that have been there and done it. But then there were some kids that we never really heard of as well mixed in there. And hey, they stepped up to the plate, and yeah, it was good, good to see. Yeah, so yeah, they did ride good. good. Good mixture. So, so yes, so we got uh, we got Ryan calm down on that. Uh, we didn't didn't come to blows, luckily, on that one. Uh, but we had a good interview with him uh, earlier on today here. So this is kind of cool. It's we we did the we usually do the interviews, you know, and then save them for different dates. This one was done here today. So when you're listening to this Thursday morning, this was done just Wednesday. So a uh, fresh interview with him, and kind of cool to hear the the stories and the history and we all have the longevity and history with him. So it was great to have him on, tell some old bullfighting stories and, and uh, go back in the day. Right. what do you guys think of the whole interview? It's pretty cool. I just wish I was at a stationary place. So I could have had more. I, I wanted to, I wanted to give it to him. I really did. I'm not going to lie. I thought there would have been a great opportunity for us three to gang up on him for a change. He was pretty on though. Right. When he came on, he was ready for it. He had an answer. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he knew. He knew. You know what I what I kind of took from the whole thing too, as well as some laughs, many laughs. But is that um, things have changed immensely in our sport, but not really. The basics are still the same. It's still the same. And the yeah, everything, you know, yeah, yeah, and and helping the next guy down the road and helping the next guy get a start, whatever it may be, whatever event, whatever you know, contract you're taking on, whether it's bullfighting or picking up or whatever. But yeah, it's it's changed a lot, but the basics are still there when it comes to the lifestyle and how we go up and down the road. So yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and the stories we get them quite often of the different uh you know situations and shit that he's been in wildcat and down the road and uh, i think it'll be kind of fun people enjoy listening to his side of, of stuff that he's done and been through so pretty wild stuff i i did i do want to say that ryan can be a sadistic bastard and make you feel pain sometimes when you least <laughs> expect it so we do we do have to get him on again because i never got to bring up the, well, that's my the app. Stuff. yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's pure gold. So we'll get to that here in our on our uh, on this bullfighting episode. We've had some pretty legendary bullfighters, right? With Jesse Byrne, the two of you, uh, Smith. Rob Smets, Joe Baumgartner. So that's cool. I think we got to try to get Miles Hair. I got his number. I just got to try to reach out and, and get him on here, one of these ones. So yeah, it's pretty pretty fun to pick their pick their brains and and kind of just get the ins and outs of what the actual sport entails, which lots of even bull riders don't understand what goes into the bullfighting game. Right. So it's always mm-hmm. fun to have, have guys like that on. So yeah, looking forward to sharing that with you guys pretty soon. Just a few more things to get through. Shout out Logan Beaver taking the Pinoca PBR. We talked about Logan half retiring there last year and, and on a hiatus and then decided to, to come back and and it's great to see him have success. One of the good guys. So when's the, yeah. You know who else Brock Radford's in the mix now, you know, who is not going away. Um, Aaron Roy made two big rides last night in Calgary and, you know, wins 
second in Winnipeg at Ben's. Like he's just not going away. He's there. And that's the guy that'll Driving ride good. three out of four in Edmonton for all them points and walk away with his fourth title and eighty thousand dollars in, in earnings in Edmonton. He's riding better than he has in the last three years, I think, right now. Like he's riding yeah. fucking great right now. Old Aaron. Hundred percent. And you know what? I I have I've thought of it before too. You know, you kind of wonder sometimes, you know, if Aaron should have hung it up, but uh, he just, the only man that knows whether it's time or not is him. And, and you're right. He's riding better in the last few years than he has in a long time. So good for him. Yep. Good to see him rolling. Did you guys hear about the fucking shooting in Williams Lake? You guys heard about this yet? Well, I saw I, it on the old, on Elon, Elon Musk Twitter, but that's it. So Caddy, Logan Cad, like he's out there fighting bulls. So I, uh, well, first I read the, the news article and it said two people shot in Williams Lake. And I was like, holy fuck. One of the calls shot the bull, shot junior and caddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get a hold of him. And then I finally got a hold of Chris and then caddy the next day. But yeah, they said freaking uh, crazy stuff that I don't know if it was gang or whatever it was, but there's a, like a couple bulls left and all of a sudden they heard fucking bang 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 didn't know what it was turns out yeah full-fledged gunshots and the rcmp were there uh they knew something was going to go on i guess there was threats of this before and sure as shit yeah somebody shot another person and cops end up shooting him or something there's lots of speculation on what what all went down but two to hospital one arrested is what the moral of it was but um without details knowing caddy said that they evacuated all the fans into the arena and it was just a terrible situation where you didn't know what was going on they said there was a second shooter and at that point you don't know if it's like a mass shooting that we hear about in the fucking news right now you didn't know that it was just something that was one-on-one, whatever it might be, but you're just sitting ducks waiting for something to happen, right? So, so crazy so fucking world. The moral of the story is, is when they put you in the arena, you don't stop moving, just keep moving. Move, move, exactly. Move, and move, he move, said, fuck. And he said there was like kids running around and shit, and it was just an absolute fucking wreck, which you, you yeah. can imagine, right? You don't know what's going on. So, yeah, I'm glad it all kind of shook out the way that it did and, and everybody – that is innocent bystanders seems to be okay, which is good, but yeah, tough sledding for the Williams Lake stampede to go out like that. Some crazy stuff. And then um, there was actually some kids. We got to get, I got to get the details on this too, but it was uh, some young guys, Koi Schmidt and, and his crew, I think dusty golden and some of them guys driving out there and somebody was driving and fell asleep at the wheel end up on top of, you know, in the mountains, how crazy it is to start with end up up on the Meridian and the, uh, the capri that was on the back which how many times do we have guys sleeping in the capri right oh, yeah. Like, yeah especially driving yeah. through those mountains all that stuff capri smashes off a post i heard i heard it fell off the back a few different stories but long story short when everybody was driving out of there that capri was still laying down the fucking mountainside so bad wreck for those kids and we hear about that lots right the guys hitting animals or going off a ledge and just fuck it's crazy driving through those mountains that's why you fly to williams lake did you guys hear about that, that one or no? no? No, I haven't heard nothing about that. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. okay though? Yeah, I think so. Sounds like everybody came out of it clean, but yeah, that'd be a scare for a 17, 18 year old kid. Oh, right? yeah. First time through those mountains. I remember hearing stories of like, well, like Carson and Luke and those guys going through the mountains. Oh, man. I, was, I was, I was, I was, I was, 
Well, yeah, exactly. I was just going to go with that. There was one time we were leaving Abbotsford. I jumped in with Carson and Luke, and there was two or three other guys with us just to get a ride back to the across the rocks. And we come across this car that was rolled over in the middle of the road, like in the middle of nowhere. And so we wheel up, and there's the tires are still turning, so we weren't far behind it. And as we're walking up to the wreck to see what's going on, this young girl crawls out and she stands up and she's bleeding from her head. And that's when Carson took over and his first words to her were, well, what's a nice girl like you doing out here in the mountains? And I'm like, oh what God. the fucking serious, man? Are you? Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, he trying to pick her up, I think. Literally, uh, literally. Chad. <laughs> Chad Pegan and I and uh, T. Ray Cook were heading out. Um, Good crew. <laughs> I think to Kelowna. Yeah. I think we were going to Kelowna, the three of us. And Chad had this van, VCR, the VCR TV one piece are set up and bed in the back. It was good setup in a little minivan. Eh? So we get to Golden. I think Dirk drove to Golden. And uh, it's time for us to watch. You know, I sat in the pastor seat and we're like, okay, T. Ray, your shift. He was sleeping maybe or something. We didn't get down the road three miles and we're like, stop this fucking van now, right now, pull over. Do not drive one more mile. And we got him to pull over and I, we never let him go anywhere near the set of keys, even let alone the driver's seat after that. There's not a chance uh, we would have made her. No uh, chance. Uh, yeah. Remember they used to give that car away at Oyen and uh, whatever the girl yeah. says that Hannah car. I think it was either Cone Bouvier or one of them guys. They want it. Tanner girls. He'd know the story better on it, but I think they, had it for a couple of weeks and then totaled it off on a moose through those mountains. Fucking done and done. But yeah. yeah and they were little cars. You wouldn't want to be hitting a moose with one of those things. No. So long story short. Yeah. It's fun going through the mountains, but fucking you young guys be careful driving through there. Cause it is, it is sketchy and it's not like. Or next year just come to Elkridge instead of going to Williams Lake. Yeah. Fuck Williams yeah. Lake. If you go, if you <laughs> go off the road in Saskatchewan. Oh, check that one off my to go list. <laughs> If you go off the road in Saskatchewan, you just get to keep driving through the field for a while. You go off the road in BC, or you're going down a mountainside. So yeah, yeah, it's usually it's usually when you drive off the road at a rapid rapid, rapid speed, pace. it's because JD's got to have shit in the ditch <laughs> or in the field, wherever you stop. Hey, this is a family friendly podcast, Scott. <laughs> you don't have any proof of that story. Oh, no, but proof. I do. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. Okay, well, we won't keep everybody long. Uh, the the interview with Ryan went long, so uh, this will be a good one. But like we say, it's been a few weeks, so sorry for been not having these ripped out as fast as we can. But she's just a busy time, so we'll get them out as fast as we can. Won't promise when they'll be out. But thanks for everybody for listening in. Um, one more shout out. It sucks. It's hard to talk about. I don't know really how to fucking even go to it. But uh, thoughts and prayers. Uh, with Kinky and the Larson family, uh, they got uh, what Kinky has bulls and stuff, right? From that Patricia area, uh, tragic accident going to buy some some new bulls down there in South Dakota. Car accident, his wife and son don't make it. Kinky's still in hospital. Daughter at home with the grandparents. Just a tragic, tragic accident to somebody within our community. A friend to everybody. There's a fundraiser online where you can go and and uh, donate money or, or bid on some auction items all proceeds going to, to kinky and his medical recovery there in south dakota so tragic accident i wouldn't you don't wish that on your worst enemy and we're thinking about all them i know you guys um know him know the know the crew yeah. a little bit more i can let you speak on it a little bit more but uh 
Uh, just want to know, everybody know McGrath, Bo Radden, Josh Verizes. All proceeds are going to go to Kinky and his family. Ty Posbon Foundation stepping in, going to help out. Uh, there's, you know, we got to help out this this family and, and, and Kinky as much as we can in this this tragic time. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, another uh, shout out will. Uh... Donnie Peterson's name will come up in the podcast with Ryan. Um, uh, that's it was it was uh, Myers Barty that give your dad his first pro rodeo. It was Donnie Peterson who gave me my first rodeo. Passed away during Pinocchio weekend, and uh, hats off to the Pinocchio Stampede. They flew Brenda home um, for that, and you know Donnie wasn't that old, and uh, you know just one of the pioneers of rodeo here in Canada. That that. Uh, you know, everybody that was around in the, in the eighties and nineties that have a good Donnie Peterson story. So condolences to the family there as well. Yep. hundred percent Lane and the whole crew. I know Lane's an avid listener and uh, he was in Pinocchio and all that sort of stuff too. So yeah, it's just a patriarch of the sport gone too soon. And like they said, thoughts and prayers with their whole family and the whole community. So yes, on that note, somber note, we never, uh, you know, you know, you don't want to have to talk about those things, but that's part of life. And uh, like we say, thoughts and prayers with with everybody involved in in all those situations and everybody with, from the NFP podcast. We love you. On to now, uh, we'll get into it with with uh, Ryan Byrne. This is a fun one, fun episode. You get to learn lots about Ryan and the ins and outs of him. And if anybody has more stories, please uh, please send them in and share them with us so that when we get them back on, uh, we can light them up with them. So without further ado, this is our interview with Ryan Byrne. Growing up in our family, uh, rodeo was part of life since day one. We were doing cowboy stuff every day. We had uh, big dreams, all based on what my dad was able to accomplish in, in the rodeo arena. My dad was a professional bullfighter for many years. When it really came down to it, the, the feeling of bullfighting is what, what I love. And the goals that came with that bullfighting career were uh, based upon what my dad had accomplished, basically. So um, to me, he, he is and, and was and still is the best bullfighter that's ever came out of Canada and um, the things he was able to accomplish I wanted to to do that too. Our guest today is a 14 time CFR selected bullfighter, too many times to count to the Calgary Stampede, an Olympian, a member of the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame and the first ever Canadian to be selected to fight bulls at the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. As well, the patriarch to all of us here on this podcast and the man who led the way for us, my Faja. Mr. Ryan Byrne. Dad, how you doing, bro? I'm doing Dad. good. Happy to be here. Dad. That's good. Dad, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, that's good. We're pumped to have you on. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of build up to this one. We always have good stories about you, as uh, all the guests or listeners know. You were the one who led the way for all of us to to be in the position that we're in, and bullfighting careers, bullfighting careers, all that stuff. So a lot of hype. So hopefully you live up to it. <laughs> well, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up? Where do we uh where do we catch you today? What's going on in life? I'm just sitting in the hotel at the Gray Eagle Casino in Calgary and judging the uh Cody's bow riding here for four nights and um uh, yeah, I'm enjoying the the event here and it was a good event last night. Uh that's one thing I guess we'll just hop into it right off of the hop after but your bow fighting oh, career. Tanner, Tanner, what? Tanner, whoa, whoa, how how was the judging last night? Oh, this is true. This is fair. The, the judging was probably the best I've seen in a long time. And <laughs> most consistent, really, really good, good event. The people enjoyed that and they actually, uh, they appreciate it. Really? I think, I think you got a standing ovation. In fact, wasn't that I was going to say, yeah. 
It was either for me or Dalen Swearingen. I'm not sure who that guy is. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, gold. So that's what I was getting at, though. You you do the judging game now, director of judging for PBR Canada. That's kind of uh, what you get up to. You got some bulls and stuff now, too, right, for listeners that in the U.S. and all that stuff to maybe don't keep up with what you're doing now. That's that's the, the gig now kind of thing. Yeah, like we, uh, you know, as well, along with you and Rusty, uh, we race bucking bulls now, and uh, it's taken about 10 years, and we've uh, developed a good program and a good bunch of bulls, so we go to a lot of events with them, and uh, when I retired from fighting bulls and uh, and just kind of wanted to stay in the in the bull riding business, I decided to, uh, to do the, the bulls and raise them, and then also to uh, judge. I was always one that wanted to see things as fair as possible and the right guy win and just follow the rules and nobody plays around with them and whatever. So I decided to put my money where my mouth was and, and get out and judge. And now I do that. And now I assign uh, the judges to each event and throughout Canada. And you've been to the world finals as a judge had bulls to the world finals. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, we've, we've had some good ones and uh, I've had a good run with the judging and, I still enjoy it. I don't do it near as much as I used to, but uh, some of these events like Cody's, I've never been out here to this one at the Gray Eagle. So I thought I might uh, come out and, and enjoy it and, and do one I haven't done, but I've had, we've had success, you and I and, and Rusty with the Bulls and, and I've been fortunate to judge the world finals. So it's been good. So what's it like being at just the greatest event that Canada can possibly put on by the greatest producer? <laughs> Well, you know, you go through a lot of producers in your lifetime and when you get to work with a great one and a good one and, and, uh, and one that treats you very good, it's nice to be a part of it. Oh, if you edit that out, I'm going to kick you in the cinnamon nuts for sure. Uh, you, guys, you know what? My suggestion is you guys should see if he could put on 25 of them for you. Well, he probably could. I don't know. But... Boy, just ask. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, your head's getting red the sun you better close that sunroof <laughs> sorry it's cloudy here cloudy okay here. oh good just some good shots fired at jason there but um yeah, hey okay but we'll back it up let's not forget this pod's about firing them at randy boy here. <laughs> oh no uh, jason. I, think, I think i got my shield up there but <laughs> Uh, uh, I I got a question for you. Uh, exactly what year did you start fighting bulls? Oh, it would have been uh, you 63? know sixty three. Sixty three. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, probably about sixteen, seventeen years old. So it would have been in the in the late seventies, and then I got my pro card in nineteen eighty. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah. what we were debating that the other day, and I kind of thought you actually started fighting bulls in 1980, but it was before that. And and you kind of like everybody does in this business, you you kind of get taken under someone's wing and and showing the ropes, so to speak, how to travel, how to handle business, how to fight bulls, especially in the arena. And and uh, and your mentor and hero was Kelly Lacoste, was it not? Yeah, for sure. And then it, like any one of us right here on this podcast, and anyone that's listening or had a career you never get anywhere without having someone support you or be behind you and show you the ropes because it's a tough business if you don't know what you're doing and you can get ate up pretty quick so I was fortunate enough to uh, start um, kind of I'll tell you my first event I went to was in Langham Saskatchewan and, and Jerry Myers was a contractor at that time and 
Kelly was fighting bulls for him and I'd, I'd fought some cows and fought a few steers and things like that. And, and, uh, I thought I was ready to go. So I would just show up at this rodeo and go talk to Kelly. And he was a pretty scary man just to walk up to and talk to. He was a big redheaded and he, he had his days where you didn't know if he was going to bite you or just hit the end of the chain sort of thing. So he, uh, he, just kind of visited with me at the, at the truck. And then I went over to Jerry Myers and I'll never forget. I said, Jerry, can I fight bulls today? He looked at me, he goes, well, what did he say? And he kind of put his nose up pointed towards Kelly and Kelly said, yeah, it's up to you. And he goes, okay. And then as I went to walk away to go get ready and Jerry said, but Hey, you just remember you're not getting paid today. You know that. <laughs> so you do that. I mean, you just went through those kinds of things and you, you paid your dues sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, I was very fortunate. Kelly was a great mentor and a great teacher, big, tough man that could take a hit and, and big man that knew how to get around bulls in a, in a very small space in a very slick way. So I had a good teacher right from the start. Now, I just, to top that off, was Kelly the type of guy, um, I know from my end of it, uh, kind of starting out when you were, you know, the last four or five years of your career, you know, you never – you never let a, you, you were 110% out there all the time. And if there's any fault at that, it was brought up after, during whatever was Kelly, that type of guy with you. Uh, he was always, you know, he wanted you to be the best and there was no second best. Yeah, he did. And he wanted everything out of you that he could, but he wasn't afraid to wait till after he'd, he'd come up and <laughs> he had a famous name for you. If you knew you screwed up, he'd always call you Dickie dumbass with a laugh. <laughs> and that you either knew that you either knew the foot was coming in the ass or the broom was coming out the side of your back. So he was uh, he, he was strict, but you knew what you did wrong right away, and you could correct it right away. I remember going to Moose Jaw one time, and I, I don't know what I was thinking. I thought I was the king of the world. I think I jumped like five bulls in that perf. Like it was crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, and then after he looks at me, he goes, "Oh, that, that's that was good. That was real good." And I'm like, "Yeah, I felt pretty good." He goes, well, hey, Dickie dumbass. He says, what are you going to do for the next perf? Jump 10? And I go, uh, I don't know. He goes, well, just remember, if you give them some, they want more. So yeah, you better slow down a little bit, he said. So that was a good, good learning right there. Yeah. Was it was that it was kind of like the the code, right? Back in the day, it was like um you didn't fuck around like lots of stuff that goes on today and showboating and different shit like that like you probably wouldn't got away with that back in the day with rex and all them boys huh no they went through a lot of corn brooms in them days if those guys were around <laughs> <laughs> they um yeah it was it was a job and it was you, you treated it like a job and it was i mean it's fun to be a hero and do stupid things that you get away with and everybody pats you on the back on the way out you know but you knew yourself in a day if you screwed up or you did something wrong and somebody patted you on the back, you just want to turn and look at him and go, are you fucking serious? Yeah. Like what like, were you, you know, watching out there? Right. Yeah, you know? exactly. And everybody like Kelly always told me, and, and I mean, it's going to seem offensive to bull riders, but they, he said, they're the dumbest people in the world. Sometimes when you're safe, them, they think the guy that gets hooked and run over is the best one out there. Sure. And it just like, and then you look at him and you go, really? And then when they look back at it and you explain it to him, they're like, okay, yeah. But with them and Kelly, it was like, yeah, you, it was a job. Lisa Harris, uh, Rex and all them guys, it, it was a job and you took it to heart every day. And, and, and of course you, those guys are all your brothers and you're, 
your soldiers that were with you every day, but you, you had a job to do and the camera and see, we didn't have cameras and damn this, all this social media crap that they do now that goes all over the place. And so, you know, if you, if you happen, it was hilarious. Cause if you got around a, a bull riding that was televised, people just changed totally. And it'd be like, wow, what, this is the same event or, you know, it's, it's the rodeo. It's a bull ride. What are you doing? Flying by and doing stuff. And Liesl was the best because he just, at the end, he'd just look at it, you know, and he'd walk in. If you did good, you're okay. But if you did something stupid, he'd just say, you are sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking right. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was more, but I, I blame a lot of this stuff on social media. Everybody wants to be a hero. Yeah. So you took kind of the same path as uh, cousin Scott did. Hey, with your very successful bull riding career turned into a bull riding <laughs> career. Yeah, man. Mine was good. I didn't get knocked out as much, Scott, but <laughs> I, uh, I got you by. Yeah. I got by yeah. a few and got thrown off way more. So it was something that I wasn't, it wasn't going to be for me. I was not, I loved it, but I just couldn't get the handle what? of it. What got you to go in the first place from like up in the PA area? That's where you were raised. So what, Prince Albert, for our non-Canadian friends, what yeah. got you to get first rodeo? Actually, it was just a kid going to rodeos and watching, and I loved it. And just, it was just an adrenaline watching it, you know. And and uh, my mom always said I wore out probably 20 stick horses in my life, chasing cows through the bush and everything else. So I just want to always be a cowboy and be something a part of it and I happened to go to high school with a few kids that were into it and I just got hooked up with them and they had a riding arena out there and we'd go there every Wednesday and Saturday and it was a blast and and uh, then I got to ride and, and I also steer wrestled and calf roped and and did a few other things but the bull riding was what I loved. Yeah that's fair because lots of people don't know you were like the first one in the family to to do rodeo right because there was yeah uncles farmed grandpa world war ii vet and then came home and and uh farm so it is kind of a crazy story of the success that you had being just the first one to ever do it right all of us we kind of had you in our corner and and the generations before us to kind of pave the way a little bit but that was you had to you had to do that all on your own yeah for sure and it was like dad was like you said he was a world war ii vet he come home and Bought some land, had three jobs, so it, you sh you were supposed to work, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, uh, and you were supposed to do that and whatever. But he he always was like, you know, you better look at life because I, I don't know if you're gonna make it with this stuff. I don't know how this can support you and all this. But in the same breath, he'd be like, okay, but you know, have fun, do good. And I remember and be, and be home Monday, <laughs> and, yeah, be home Monday, and then I'd show up Thursday. It really helped. <laughs> For a day, yeah. For a day, is there was is it the true, Scott? Was, was there stories? There was the 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 tractor. You'd be out. The baler would just be sitting in the field, and there would be a note on the top of it said, "Sorry, I gotta go. I had to go." Yeah. yeah, yeah. It would be like at the probably you know the busiest time of the year when you're combine and bailing, and <laughs> Ryan would Ryan would put in his uh, forty eight hour shift, and you'd go back the next day, and nothing would be moving, but there'd be a note. Uh yeah, had to go axle on trailer broke. Had to go fix. Gone. <laughs> Just daylight's gone. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you another little secret that probably everybody or everybody at the farm knows, but I never told anybody straight up. 
<laughs> I hated it. I, I love hay and season now, but I hated it then because we had an old farm all tractor that was open air and it was hotter than a bit. And I'd get going and whatever time, and then it'd be like, son of a bitch, two o'clock, three, it's hot. So I just get, I'm like, I got to go to the house. This is too hot. So I just go let the air out of the rake tire. <laughs> and then I'd walk home and then I'd be good for two or three hours. By the time dad got out there with the compressor and everything else, it'd be a little bit cooler that night. So <laughs> say, I don't know where this slow leaks come from. He'd even take the tire off. We'd put it in a bucket of water, try to find the leak. We couldn't find the leak. <laughs> <laughs> That's nasty. That yeah. is nasty. Yeah. Uh, it worked, yeah, it worked. Yeah. True. Yeah. True enough. <laughs> That's a good one. So, so worked your way up through the, the four hours and then started, you know, doing some different rodeos and stuff like that. Turned pro in 1980, you said. So was it instant success? Did you get the NFR right off the hop? Canadian finals first. How did the whole progression kind of go once you, once you turned pro? Yeah, I went, um, I worked for actually, good friend of mine just passed away here the other day donnie peterson so mm-hmm. with myers and he jerry was still alive and actually barry Quam had an outfit and then donnie and then they all went on their own and i kind of worked for all of them and and it took me two years and then i got the cfr um then i went into got that for three or four years in a row or two years three years and then i got uh the bullfights were in uh, Edmonton at that time and Rex Dunn and Miles and Rob Smets and uh, Wick Path and they were up there and, and I was fighting bulls at the finals with uh, Steve Mowry actually got it that year and uh, we were working together and then when the bullfights were done about the fifth perf they were finished and those guys were leaving and Rex asked me he said would you be interested in coming to the states and working some rodeos and I said oh uh, yeah and so anyway another kid in the candy shop wanted to get going and get at her so rex signed my card Uh, i think cody signed my card and then i was very fortunate lane frost signed my card nice so yeah it is cool and then i went down worked some rodeos for fred Darncamp that uh spring and and uh worked for a little bit for harry but i always had wayne's rodeos up here and and then uh, was fortunate enough that uh, got called and got the NFR. Bam. Hey, t- what about when you got that call? You got to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were on a little hunting trip. It turned out to be a hunting trip. It was just a trip that we were going. It was me and Billy Blacklock, um, Dwayne Robinson, Jim Solberg. We we're at Jim's place. And, uh, yeah, we were out there, and, and it was quite true. That's the first time I've been to Jim's little uh, planetarium. <laughs> we were out there, and it was uh, quite an event, and and uh, lots of things got shot, and no animals were hurt or anything like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we had fun, and then I got a call. Actually, Dwayne was talking to his wife, Vicky, and he looked at me and said, uh, I think he just got the NFR. I'm like, yeah, what? And he goes, yeah. So I ended up, I phoned and found out that I got the NFR. So Damn. It, was, it was pretty exciting. Yeah. What is that like? Is that uh, probably after that trip, you're feeling a little bit rough, but was it uh, just, uh, you know, like now looking back at us, first one to do it, the only guy to ever do it for so, so many years. Um, 
were you too young to kind of take it in at the time or was it just like i made it dream come true i've i've done what i wanted to do or what was what's the whole experience of that first that nfr like 86 yeah I, it, it, it was kind of a blur and like you said I, I was i wish i was a little bit older and a little more uh been down there a few more years and yeah, a little more established when i got it it was just yeah it was a whirlwind it was right from that day into calgary had a big party for it and blah 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 and we just rolled on for two three months and then all of a sudden it was gone and I, i'll never forget about it i can remember the first time stepping in there and stuff but it was like you know you just i think i was too young to enjoy it all and that's why i tell guys now if, if you get something like that or any experience you have enjoy the moment and and remember it did did you not bring home a handful of dirt from that arena with you or was that something i remember you yeah. telling me yeah, I brought a couple, and then I brought a sticker off the buck and shoots that were there. I yeah. think that was last year the the red shoots were there. Right. Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, just little momentum things. And, of course, I lost the dirt. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> probably got swept up, huh? <laughs> uh, do, do, you, uh, do you think nowadays, well, a couple – well, we'll get to it later, I guess, with the bullfights part of it. But do you think uh, heading down south at that point in that time um, in rodeo, was it as hard, harder to establish yourself down there? Or was there less bullfighters at that time? Uh, there was just as many guys. And it was uh, it was hard, though, because I remember going to Denver. I was uh, like 19 years old or 20 years old. Sorry. And that was a convention. And that was where you got rodeos. I didn't know a damn soul. And then I get down there and I'm just sitting around all these people. And then I look over the, well, there's Jim shoulders and there's Harry Vold and there's all these guys. And it was very intimidating. And you didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have anybody in my corner. And then all of a sudden around the corner walked a guy by the name of Scruffy Vold. And uh -oh. uh, yeah, but by golly, he was my savior. Cause he was like, how many you got? He goes, let me see your book. And I'm like, well, here's my book. And there was a lot of empty pages. And he just took it and we went around. And he introduced me to all these guys. And, and that was a, a good thing then. But it, it was it was hard. Like you were going up against Smets and Miles. And those guys were already legends. And they had their careers. And by far, they weren't done. So they were established. And every committee wanted them, right? So you had to you had to sell yourself. I said it was always like trying to be a cheap hooker. You were just selling your ass down there. And it was <laughs> times... You got treated just like yeah, you just got to buy more expensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you did get it, when you did get the NFR, were those guys like those established guys? Was there were they your buddies or was there animosity towards this fucking Canadian guy that rolled in and, and got the finals? Right, because there were two of you, you and Rex got it. Oh, well, let's yeah. tell. Let's there's a there's a story. Let's let's. I think that was the when you and Mister Jones. <laughs> That, was that the sec the alternate year? Yeah, that was the second time. There was always guys like that. I mean, they were jealous as shit and whatever. But I mean, that's in any business or anything you're in, and doesn't matter. Today, you still got it. it was there before? Yeah. It's gonna be oh, there yeah. after all of us. So you're always gonna have somebody that doesn't aren't isn't happy for you succeeding. But I've my best friend down there was Rex Down and Rex treated me like gold and he took me in, in and taught me a lot of things. And, and I love watching Rex fight bulls. He was so smooth, but there, there was guys and all of them, I'm telling you like Smets and miles. And there's a lot of other guys too, that 
they were great to me and Skipper Voss and guys like that that were my heroes they were they were all great to me nobody ever caused me problem yeah that's where they, they got the right hook <laughs> couple might have got some somewhere <laughs> okay i do want to do this one i want i want you to tell this story because this is one of my favorites maybe not one of your favorites but it's a great story and it's a long time ago but at the nfr when you the first year you got it and you almost didn't make the perth maybe because of uh a uh, incident within the casino can you tell that story ah <laughs> oh, geez I okay <laughs> well we were at a host hotel and of course once again young and dumb right you're all playing cards and life's good nothing can go wrong boy it was uh we're sitting there it's about four in the morning and it's me and Bob and, and uh who else there's a couple other guys rex and then we're all sitting there anyway and we're playing cards and there's these two fellas come up and and uh decide that we kind of stunk like horse shit or something and we're starting to bug us a little bit and the dealer told them to leave and blah 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 and, and uh short story is that this guy decides to elbow me and so i come from left field and off we go <laughs> the fight's on and we knock over card tables and it was like four o'clock in the morning shift with all the older people and there's ladies screaming and chips flying and shit's going and and uh, i seen last i looked up bubba come jumping from the stand-up bar and stepped on one table and kicked this guy in the chin and down he goes <laughs> Shit's on. Well, this all happens, and I think it's 10 minutes. It's probably about 45 seconds to a minute. And then we get all scooped up, and this bouncer, two bouncers are running me like they're running me straight into the wall. And all of a sudden, the wall opens up. Boom, down we go downstairs. Now I'm thinking I'm dead. I'm in Las Vegas. I'm dying. Everything. And long story short, they kept us for quite some time. And, uh, I just about didn't make the perf, but by golly, they, I think they're just making me sweat and teaching me a lesson. They got me there in time. <laughs> nice. nice. Sucked. Yeah, did, did, did you honestly think you were going for a ride to the desert? Well, yeah. Cause the first day or the day we got in for rehearsal and everything else, well, they'd found a guy in a garbage can had been burnt right by the arena. <laughs> was like, my first experience. That was my first experience there, and I was like, oh, my God, this shit does happen. <laughs> uh, I bet that was a little sketchy when the walls opened up. Yeah, I was. It was a little spooky. Vegas jail. <laughs> yeah, and you're trying to talk your way out of it, and they not, they're just staring straight out. Nope, nope. Nope. Yeah, so, the same work. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. So after the NFR, um, kind of hiatus, then right there from the NFR, you went back again. Was it the next year or when did you go back as the alternate? And then in 91 yeah. or 93 again, right? Or when did you, when was that? Yeah, I went back the next year as an alternate. And then in 93, went back as an alternate as well. Does that just show that like the competitiveness and all the different bullfighters that were going at that time? How, how difficult it's, it's like for me that you talk about Cody Snyder winning the PRCA world championship. And nowadays the PBR world championship, I think is, is what you want to win, but yeah. Cody won the won the world when it was all the best guys like Jim Shaw, like you know Tough Heatman, like that was yeah. the best of the best. Not the same as you when you went the best of the best. So is that kind of what it what it applies to? Is just all these great guys were going, or what do you think was the the key behind it? Yeah, for sure. And it was just um, 
like there was, like I said, it was, those guys were established. I didn't, I didn't go to as many down there that next year because once again, you're young and dumb and I kind of just took it for granted. Right. And uh, then you ended up being the alternate instead of being the one. And it's like, uh, Smets always told me, he said, you know, you'd went a lot more times if you'd have went more down here, which was, yeah, okay. That would have been fine, but I had a family and everything else. And I enjoyed being at home in Canada and whatever. So, um, it was just by my choice that I didn't just, you know, pick up and go a lot more down there. Fucking kids. Oh. <laughs> I got all the buckles in the world. I, I'll take my kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that that's been a that's was a thing with me like with the cfr the first year that i got it i think when it was done i wanted the second year even more and then the yeah. third you know what i mean it just gets yeah. to be whereas some guys are they shit they're good with one and and yeah. that's fine but not this not this cat i you know no, i wanted, I wanted to go one, one more time but didn't work out but whatever and then established great up here. Uh, we were doing the uh, doing all the rodeos up here with you know the main guy for all those years 20, 20 years, right? And uh, were you doing the the Wrangler bullfights at that time as well? Did you the freestyle stuff? Uh, we talked about it lots with Smets on this podcast and with Bumgarner too, with uh, with uh, how he you know he wasn't into the the freestyle stuff as much, but you did lots of freestyling as well, right? Yeah, I was on the tour for uh, four years, five years. And uh, at that time, it was a little different. There was just 16 of us on that tour, and you had to uh, qualify to be on that tour. And uh, each year, you uh, I think the bottom four were eliminated, and, and you, uh, you had to pick up and come back again if you wanted to go. But, yeah, I was on there for five years, and it was a little different situation with, uh, with us. So you, you know, you, were, you had your 16 events, and you went to them, and then you qualified, of course, for the World Finals. But – it was a little different format, a lot of different bowls, and uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was a different tour than what it is now. So that is my question, and like honest answer nowadays, I watch those old videotapes of like uh, Crooked Nose and the Purple People Eater and them big horned. And Jason, you can chime in on this one too. But when you take the Mexican bulls that they fight ninety percent or ninety five percent of the time nowadays to those where do you think the guys that fight these Mexicans all the time would rack up against them big horn, you know, half breed bulls that are like, to me, ultimately fucking treacherously scary. Yeah. Sketchy Bob. Well, you, you find out, you find out real quick. Who's got the brass stones. Yeah. I think, I think if you took it, best way I can explain is if you took those guys that fight the Mexicans now, put them in there, the guys that fought the Brindles back then, put them in with the Mexicans you'd probably only have half of each left. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's not that it's any, not taking it away from anybody, anything else. Like these bulls right now, they're electric. The people love them. The guys can do their tricks and do everything with them. And yeah, you're going to damn sure get hurt. And then these bulls can still hurt you bad, but it's not, it's not the same as those big old brindles and that bay up yeah. and, cold trail you down and you stub a toe and they run a horn up your ass and stick you 50 feet in the air and then maul you down. But it's, um, it's just a different, different way of doing things. And and I do not knock anything that these guys do today. And, and some of the stuff that they do with them is amazing. And yeah, it's entertainment, right? Yeah. Today it's still entertainment. 
But yep. them bulls can't, they can hurt you. Don't get me wrong. But those yeah. big, badass, like, you know, like Hillbilly, how, look at his record, what he did to guys. Broke yeah. Spence's neck, broke Mike Matt's leg. Like, those yeah. are bad. You just, you're not doing selfies with them. No. Not a, not a chance. Be pretty fucked on sick if he did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No yeah. cell phones, though. No cell phones. Yeah. The only selfie you'd probably get is on the stretcher when they're pulling you out of there. <laughs> So what you, was it like uh, fighting fighting Crooked Nose? Was that was he he's the most famous fighting bull of all time, in my opinion. Was it what did you there's different stories? You go to the horn, you go away from the horn. Was there different uh game plans that different guys had for him, or was it just balls to wall and fucking hope for the best? <laughs> yeah, it was like with Crooked Nose, he was the greatest, I think, because he was a bull that would he'd drive you in the ground, but you know, hardly, I, I never really seen him camp on a guy. I mean, he was so fast. He'd be on you again before you got up. It wasn't like he camped on you, but he'd hit you so hard. Sometimes you didn't know what <laughs> plan to were on it. But, he'd, push you out. he'd push you out far enough. He had yeah. to, run to line you back out again. Yeah. He'd just get you exactly where he wanted. And then baseball bats you with that one side, but he was, uh, yeah, it was adrenaline rush. I'll guarantee you that. I remember the first time I had him was at Cheyenne and it's, uh, Cheyenne, they pulled the chutes out in front of the racetrack, and it's about as wide as a racetrack, a horse racetrack is. So you can, it's a small pen for a big bull. And uh, I remember the first time I had a nod for him, and I looked at Smets and I said, How do you handle this big boy? And he goes, Just hang in there, hang in there. When you think you should move, hang in a little longer and then go. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember nodding for him. He come blowing out 100 mile an hour and he dropped his head like a missile on that crooked face and that one horn would kind of sit up like a shark and he's coming a hundred mile an hour. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And then wait some more. And then I got off to the side and as he did, he just ripped a bandana off my pants. So I'm like, Holy, and that's a big old windmill. So now you got to take a big breath and as fast as you could turn, he was coming back at you again. So you didn't have a whole bunch of time to be afraid, but anybody that says they weren't to him, uh, I think's a lying son of a bitch. But. <laughs> uh, did you jump purple people eater? Yeah, I did in uh, uh, Scottsdale. <laughs> I was, we were having a blast. Me and actually Raymond Goodman was with me. We we're fighting and it was team Canada against team USA and Rob and miles. I think they set the draw those guys. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, we kept getting all these bad bastards and Rob Miles just be laughing, having a good time. So I was like, okay. So I ended up, I'm like, Raymond, we got to do something here. So I just run back and he looked at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, whatever. What? Show's, show's going or the show's over, one of the two. So I just reared back and took a high leap and by golly, I cleared him. <laughs> and then I look up as I did and there's Harry Volden. I think I I loved Harry to death. I still do to this day. And I think I accidentally flipped him off. I don't know what it <laughs> Accident. Uh, that's good. Yeah. I, I, don't think, I don't think anything you do is by accident. <laughs> <laughs> so on the, on the, before we go past the, the freestyle side of things, and then we talk about the NFR and different stuff like that, but it all kind of went in together, but, um, you guys went on strike at one point within the bullfights, right? And I know you've talked about it over the years that you think it may have affected you with, with different situations within the bullfighting world, but maybe walk us through kind of that whole situation. Cause it's a heavily talked about thing, but you're, you were on the inside of it, right in the track kind of behind it. 
Yeah, there was me and Smurf and uh, who else is with Leon? Me? Leon. Chapman. There's a pic. There's a picture of it actually. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we're in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and the deal was we had four rounds at each bullfight. The first three rounds, the committee and the contractor could set the pens, and the fourth round was ours to pick the best four or yeah four bulls for the fourth round. Well, it got to Fort Smith. It happened a couple of times before too, and nobody really said nothing. And then it, they just kind of took for granted that we we're just going to let this happen all the time. So anyways, in Fort Smith, if you've ever been to Fort Smith, they love their bulls and they love their whatever. It's Fort Smith, Fort Smith. <laughs> and uh, we end up uh, fighting, fighting those pens of bulls three times already. And we're just like, okay, we're beat up and we're tired and, and whatever. We just, we're just going to pick four real good bowls and have a good finish. Well, it's like no way. And shit hits a fan. And I mean, these guys, Harry's mad. The committee's mad. The judges are trying to force us that we have to do this and whatever. So we're just, we took a stand. And that day, uh, I remember Phil Gardenhire who passed away here, but uh, was announcing and he had to ride to the other end of the arena because the crowd was going crazy and they'd heard about it and they're chanting, give them their bulls, give them their bulls. And Phil had to go to the other end while two committee guys were following on foot, just like foot soldiers. And uh, he was explaining the event as he was riding around. So he didn't have to stand in one spot, but it was, uh, yeah, we nodded. I ended up, I had crooked nose that day. So I was the devil of oh, the whole place. And uh, what we did is we just nodded and walked to the fence. Oh, and uh, we didn't compete and and so long story short people booed us i remember walking by and i'm like i said to harry i said harry we not, you know this is nothing personal man and he just pretty much told me to get lost and that and i got lost from harry for about four years over that mm -hmm. which made me feel terrible i i still do like i said love harry bold I was part of it, and then it cost us lots because it went through the PRCA like wildfire, and of course we got banned out of it. The only good thing about the whole thing is Smurf had enough points. They banned us out of a couple of our next bull fights or suspended us, and so it cost me, Chapman, and Leon going to the world finals, but Smurf had enough. That was kind of about his, I think, eighth or something bull fight, so he had enough points to get qualified. He ended up winning the world that year, so it was good that way but the rest of us got kind of shit canned so but you know what we took a stand and everybody remembers it i guess so that's why you do those things yeah i, I yeah in the end would you would you say it was worth it in the end yeah i mean right's right and wrong's wrong and and bullshit i remember talking and prca was just like they didn't even want to listen they just they just said you know what pay your dues boys and it's like you know what this is bullshit but anyway uh, the, the people that knew what was going on and and uh, the important people, they knew it. we were right. And it was, we took a stand and I'd do it again today. Yeah. yeah. Well, so Ryan, what year was that? Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't even know. I'd have to look back in my biography. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you guys started the Wrangler bullfights up here in like 95-ish, I guess, four, whatever year it was. PRCA used to send you out that big, thick uh, booklet with every committee contact, all that, if you remember the PRCA. Yeah. I was going through trying to get bullfights, you know, Wrangler bullfights forever. Because that's 
that's how you had to get your start for a rodeo back in the day. And it was a great opportunity at the time. And yeah. I remember phoning Fort Smith, Arkansas, whoever answered the phone, the committee guy. He said, nope, nope, we don't need any Canadians here. Thank you. So that was it. That's yeah. a true story. Yeah. That is a true story. They didn't want nothing to do no. with any Canadians going back down there. Yeah, I soured them. They were going to try to build a wall, I think. <laughs> uh, you know. Um, you mentioned Doug Vold earlier and, uh, I know you guys went through it through all the years and, uh, best friends and, and still to this day. So, um, fill us in on, on a good one. My favorite Doug Vold story is when he met the queen. Can you tell us that one to start with? And then any other sweet ones that you can think of? Well, they went, they went over to England uh, for, uh, it was a demonstration. It wasn't a rodeo, but they took a bucket machine and everything else. And they're promoting rodeo in England. And I think Doug was with a guy by the name of Wally Badgett. And Wally is a, he's a sheriff in uh, Miles City, I think, now, or he was anyway. Anyway, that was his responsibility to take care of Doug. Oh. And that was a hell of a responsibility. <laughs> and uh, they get there, and, and I, I might mix this up a little bit. But anyway, they're in the, in the uh, greeting line, and they're meeting the queen and, and uh, the prince and, and – um, so he's standing there and they tell him before, like, don't just bow, like keep your hands behind your back or at your side and just bow to the queen. Don't, you know, don't go up and give her a hug. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, of course they're going down. Everybody's meeting, meeting, meeting. And then uh, Doug bows to the queen. Then Prince Philip comes up and, and uh, he goes like this and Doug steps right out of line. He puts his hand out. He goes, Doug Vole, bucking horse rider. Pleased to meet you. He says, <laughs> <laughs> everybody just went everybody lost her they said even the queen was laughing so it was, it was doug can make the queen laugh for christ's sakes yeah, uh, i can, I can tell you a million stories about that guy he's an amazing person and i wish somebody would write a book i wish uh i wish somebody would take we need cartwright to take a legend right there yeah get a book on him so i um well lots of people you know of his of his antics and like the wild child that he, that he is kind of of the, of the family, but what gets lost in a lot of the time is like how good he was, right? Like sets has the record in the, in the Bronc rider had it for a long time and was yeah. just like a true phenomenal athlete. Right. Yeah. And Doug, like Doug rodeoed quite a bit, like before me, it was, I wasn't in that. He was in like Brian Claypool and um, era, but uh, no, I seen, and you talk to anybody today about him and his bucking horse riding. I mean, that guy could ride Bronx like anybody and, you know, do it in, in a good mood or bad mood, whatever he could do it in any mood, but, but yeah, and picking horses like that guy can pick a bucking horse. It's unbelievable. He's got some world champs and whatever, but under, not under his name, but he's, he's found them and got them to producers and got them on the road. But he is, uh, you know, his antics and everything else. Yeah, he, he is a wild child or was a wild child. But I'll tell you what, I always said that guy, if he had a hundred dollars and you got and you know, I was stranded with him somewhere, he'd give me 99 and, and you know, put the other buck in the phone machine to try to find us some more money somewhere. He'd give you the shirt off his back, that guy. And I love him to death. And and he was one hell of a pickup man, was he not? Doug could do anything. He's a bullfighter yeah. too. Yeah. I, got, I got a picture of him. He's down there and he's, 
he, we're sitting in the in the bunkhouse one day, and he brings this picture out, and here's Doug dressed to the nines, getting around the bowl, and he says to Harry, he says, you don't need to hire nobody. He says, I can go do your jobs for you. He says, just a couple hundred, and we'll, get, we'll settle. He said, I'll trade you a bucking horse. <laughs> what's the, what's the corner of walk and don't walk? What's <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, I feel bad if Allison's listening. I feel for you, babe. <laughs> We were in, we were at the Olympics in 88 and it was a good time. Very good time. And, uh, <laughs> we spent, we were just like homeless people. Doug and I spent a few days on the street and wandering around, just greeting people and being in the <laughs> spirit. And I, I looked at, I looked at Doug, Doug looked at me and he, uh, I said, uh, Doug, we got to get home, huh? And he goes, yeah, I think it's about time. So anyway, he phones Allison up. At that time, it was just pay phones. There's no cell phones or nothing. It was pay phones. So I could hear her talking, and she's chewing him a new butt, and he's apologizing and doing all the things. And and then next thing I can hear, okay, well, where are you at? And Doug just looks up and looks at the crosswalk sign. He said, I'm at the corner of walk and don't walk, he said. <laughs> and then the ne- next thing he I hear him say is hello, hello, hello. And then he goes, I guess we're on the street again for a couple more nights. He said. Yeah. Done and done. Oh, yeah. Let's go. I'm on a corner of walk. Walk Just and don't walk. The, you talk about Brian Claypool and that too. Wasn't he not supposed to be in the plane? Didn't he miss that plane that the, yeah, the boys went this, down in? Yeah. And to this day, he really, he blames himself for Lee Coleman because Lee took his place on that plane. And Doug, that hit him hard for a long time. And he searched for the boys forever and, and not finding them and everything else for that amount of time. Doug took that to heart and I don't think it's ever left him. And, and uh, but yeah, he was supposed to be on that plane and couldn't get on it. And Lee took his place. Jesus. Eh? Yeah. That'd fuck with you. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, The one more before we get into like to the, the future of, of uh the next generations that you've spawned of, of bullfighters and athletes the uh the horn in the head um that was that one always stands out obviously injuries are are a big part of this game you went through all of them to get all of them um but the biggest one national geographic everything like that where um still affects your eye to this day we all got <laughs> bad eyes um but took a horn in the head correct tell us the tell us the story behind that out in morris manitoba yeah, it was uh, just a bull riding event, and Eugene uh, Eau Claire was riding a bull called Herf, and he was a Herford mean little bastard. Uh, anyway, he hung up, and um, I went to get in there and get get him out, and just as I was climbing on top of the bull he uh, to get the wrap, he kind of kicked over my back and, and uh, kind of swapped ends, and what it did is it threw me straight forward, and as I was Going down, he must have spotted me out of one side and threw his head straight back and stuck a horn right, right in the uh, in between my eyebrows. And he had jagged edges on his horn. A piece of that horn went off and went inside my head. So it was, uh, yeah, it was quite an ordeal for a while. We had to go to Winnipeg and get operated on, and and um, it was touching the edge of my brain and so they didn't want to do this and didn't want to do that and ended up just reefing on it with a pair of vice grips and ripped it out and and uh sewed me back up and off we go again but i i was out for about three weeks there so dude was is it true uh 
when you were laying in the Morris Hospital, which I've been there myself, and uh, <laughs> we'll just, we'll just say it would not be the hospital you'd want to lay in with a horn sticking out of your head. Was there not a doctor there that actually grabbed that sliver and was trying to pull it out while you were laying there? And you know, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, I was. It was quite a place. I didn't know if the well, first when we we're rolling up there because I was awake the whole time we we're rolling in. And there's an old boy walking up at the sidewalk and he had some old work boots on, not even done up and tongues were hanging out of them. And uh, the guy said, the guy said, Hey, heads up doc. And I'm like, that's the fucking doctor. <laughs> Ended up, it was just his nickname, but so anyway, we get in there and yeah, it was, it was kind of a bad deal. Cause I could see it sticking out and it was, of course, horns are kind of like arrows. They got the barbs on them and, so they're not going to move. And anyway, yeah, this guy started playing with it and I'm, I'm chasing his hand around with my head. Cause I know th uh, this hurts like doing, Fuck. let's not just play with the toy here. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, when he walked out, I just requested the nurse. I said, I'm sorry, but you got to get me out of here. So they shipped me to Winnipeg and it just happened to be the chief neurosurgeon of Canada was there putting on, I don't know, seminar and something and he's the one that did the work on me so i was not so lucky in one way but very lucky in another way and not to mention not to mention a horn is not the cleanest thing in the world to be going into your melon right no no i was it was a very dirty thing but it, was, <laughs> uh, it had torn my eyelid off too so they had to like sew all the nerves back into the eyelid and it was it was a process but the thing that hurt me the worst was i had whiplash so bad yeah Took me like weeks and weeks to get over that and headaches. And did, didn't they go home and said you were dead? Didn't they? Oh yeah, yeah. My mom got they were at the lake or something when they got the report off the RCMP channel that the bullfighter had been killed in Morris, Manitoba. I was there. That I was at the farm that day when that all went down, and of course, no cell yeah. phone, so it was all yeah. media. Ah. Me, media had leaked it out before, and. Yeah. It was, it was stressful around there, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I was going to say, is there, is there any truth to, uh, Doug Wilkinson when he walked up to see, <laughs> to see how, it, oh, was it Brent Wolseley? Yeah. He walked yeah. up to see, you know, are you all right? Are you all right? And he yeah. just turned around and puked. Yeah. He was just lost her. I just had <laughs> to kind of pick my head up. I seen his feet coming and pick my head up. I said, is it bad? And he just, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> turned away. And then poor Tom Erickson was the next one to me. And Tom, Tom was okay, but he couldn't look at me. He'd have to look up like he was looking at the birds in the trees and talk to me. Yeah, yeah it's all going to be good. It's all good. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. After a long few days in Morris, probably too. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> uh, actually, a funny thing about when you said somebody trying to pull on it, because Wayne Vold and I are very good friends too. And Wayne was picking up out there at the time. Well, he come riding in and I remember, holy Christ, this horse is coming hard. He come in, jumped off like a calf roper, and just looked at me, and then grabbed that thing and tried to pull it out of my head. <laughs> oh, whoa, Wayne, whoa, Wayne, whoa, Wayne, whoa. <laughs> Doctor Wayne Vol. Doctor Panic, we got to get that shit out of there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the worst wreck I had. Yeah, that's gross. That was National Geographic and all over the place. That one. Yeah, yeah, I had, I had the rhino horn. Yeah. <laughs> Just think though, just think though, you were unique. You're a unicorn for like exactly. I could be my granddaughter's favorite. Yeah, yeah that's right. 
I, I think it was Saskatoon Exhibition Rodeo. Would that make sense, Ryan? You come back and you were fighting bulls with an iTech, uh, Cooper uh, Helmet with an iTech for a little bit after. Is that uh, not the same time? Yeah, first one back, it was about, uh, I mean, it's it seems pretty quickly, but I mean, you had to work and you had to pay bills and you had to do whatever. So I, I think it was out like three and a half weeks, maybe. First one I went back to is a bullfight in Pueblo. Colorado and I had to wear the helmet because the horn of course was the cavity wasn't closed up right and whatever it wasn't I shouldn't have been back anyway at that time <laughs> and uh, uh be hell if I didn't draw cricket nose first pulled back and uh I remember I couldn't really see outside profiles out that helmet real good and it was just like you're in a box right and I'm like whatever so we get at her and I, I nod for him. I make one round with him and then he trails off and then he comes back a hundred mile an hour. And I kind of got back around him and then I lost him behind me and I couldn't see outside of my helmet. Next thing I know is this horn comes between my legs and I bet he threw me 30 feet in the air right out of the arena at Pueblo. And I landed on the old cement outside and uh, I get back up and, I got back in and I made it kind of half round, whatever, and then took him to the barrel, finished it. But in one way, it was a good thing because I got it out of my system and knew that I could still get around him. It's just having to work around that helmet after a while. But it, it was a pain in the butt, but I needed to have it. How long did you wear it? I worked till about probably the rest of that year. Yeah. And then I right after the CFR, I canned it. Nice. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, speaking of that, going back to early, I remember – being like a kid and i remember i tore my knee out playing hockey and i was like really fucking milking it and like and i was like oh it's been two weeks and i gotta get back and i can't remember how it all went down but i was like really milking it and saying how much it hurt and how bad it was and you're like yeah try fucking fighting cheyenne the day after you tear it out <laughs> like oh, okay okay you got this you win <laughs> But you had to, it wasn't, and it's yeah. like today, but you, you, we had the Justin team and they were great, but I mean, we're, we didn't even wear pads and stuff back then. I mean, it's not that we were any heroes or whatever. We just didn't do it. And it was, now you look back on it. It's like, holy shit. I even say that myself, but the injury wise, we didn't have the guys that told us when to stay out and when not to. And, and they probably did, but we weren't listening. Like guys today are good about that. And I, I I applaud them a lot because it's hard to sit out when you're on a roll and you're on a run and shit happens. You want to get back at it as fast as you can. I agree with you hundred percent. When I first started under you um, at that time was that BMX little plastic yeah. thing that was really nothing but something, I guess. But well, the worst I, thing, those things probably is if they did ever break, they'd probably shoot right through you. Yeah. Right. Like somebody sticking a knife through you. Yeah. But I mean, I watch now those old bullfights and you guys fighting bulls back in the day. And I almost cringe because I couldn't fathom not wearing a chest protector uh, out there doing that job. It's just like, what the yeah. fuck are you serious? Yeah, exactly. And it was, it was kind of like the helmets when they first got brought in. If you wore something, it was like, you got looked at like, Ooh, yeah. you know, yeah, what's, what's wrong with you or whatever, but yeah, but it, uh, I'm, I'm glad they do it. And, Glad they have my my last ends, you know, whatever last 10 years I wore one, but first I, one I wasn't. I still have that vest, that very vest you ended with. Yeah. Awesome. Keep that sucker. Oh, what I all do. that's left, eh? What yeah, all yeah. Of your gear. You <laughs> so, should yeah. 
my bag kind of got gone through. <laughs> wow. You should see that vest though. I, I wish I brought it with me, but the, the war wounds on it, like the yeah. horn marks, you know, obviously from you in the beginning and then, you know, the better part of my career, I wore it. But if that thing could tell a fucking story, <laughs> wow. There'd be one oh, of, out the middle of my chest area. There'd be one dent in there from purple people eater. <laughs> oh man. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. That's good. Uh, speaking of losing your gear, um, <laughs> have nothing left. Uh, the fact of that, due to the generations that came after you and went through it, went through it, went through it, went through it. Right. So I guess it's kind of a testament to to say that you don't have that because it's it's gone through so many people after you that have followed in your footsteps. So. Um, starting with Scott, then rolling into James, Jesse, Bo, uh, myself, now into Braden, like the generations, generations, Jason, uh, all the outside guys that don't have last name burn that you've helped along the way through schools. Um, is that something that you, that you look back on and is like just as cool as the accomplishments in your career, seeing the guys that you've, you've had a hand in helping have the success that they've had? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's part of part of life and not just the sport but it's part of life that you you help right so when you can see your family or your boys and you know the fulfillment that's in them every day when they go out there and they make a good save and they do good and you get the accomplishments rewarded by going to finals and, and doing everything like that it makes your heart feel good because you've you maybe opened a door for them somebody opened a door for me and um if you can open a door for anybody to do good and to succeed and you know you're a little part of it uh it, it makes you feel really good and, and as far as the boys you guys go man that's i never once ever i don't think said you guys have to fight bulls or ride bulls or do whatever it was whatever you wanted i just wanted you to succeed in what you did and work hard at it and if you work hard you get you get uh, rewarded and um, I think that's in anything in life. But when you know you're a part of it, yeah, it does make you feel real good. Well, just just to put it in perspective, there has been um, a number of bullfighters, but just family last name wise, there's been somebody fighting bulls for 50 years. Like you think about that 50 yeah. years that 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 you started back in 19, you know, 80 or whatever, 79. Um, yeah. Who would have, who would have thought, right? Who would have thought that that would be like that to this day? And, and now with Braden going on to the third generation of, of uh, burn bullfighters, that is crazy when you think about that. Yeah. I don't know any other family that's done it. And um, it is, it, it, and that makes you feel proud too. But yeah, back in the day, I would never have thought that we'd gone this far. And I watched Braden the other day to bull ride and make good save and things. And, and he's got it figured out. And so he's going to have a good career at it. And then like it is, I hope it goes on to a hundred years, yeah. but uh, you know, that's, it is, it's something that's, you know, rodeo is a, it's a business and it's a, I don't know what do you call it. It's just, um, it's a soul event, I guess. Like you're on your own and you do what you do and you accomplish what you do riding or fighting or whatever physically yourself but when you can um have i want to call it a legend but whatever of a name that that uh 
Yeah, that grandpa gave us. That's cool. Yeah. Oh shit. I was thinking that. What the fuck you think he'd be he was thinking when he'd come back from the war that there'd be fucking <laughs> bunch yeah. of bullfighting fucking. Do I got soldiers? No, I got a bunch of fucking bullfighters. <laughs> but 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 you're right, like you were you had pro rodeos when I come on the scene, of course. So it was it was a little harder for me to uh, directly learn underneath you, you give me advice. And then it did roll on where I fought lots with you in the end, but it's just like somebody, the people that I've helped or been fortunate enough to help are the people that are helping my child and, or my kid opening that door you're talking about. You know, I, I fought the first year with Jason for free, you know, and then I get (laughs) still doing shit for free. What? I didn't even hear it. What the, now what did I do? No, you're good. Uh, the, the saying no. you're cheap. No, I, I know exactly ask, what you mean, Scott. And it's, ask, your it's, old, ask your old man how many Mexicans I nodded for in Hobima for free. <laughs> well, they needed training too, my friend. Yes, exactly. So, Scott, um, you hear that? The world's smallest violin playing for you right there. <laughs> I was I'd say, I was I'd say, I'd say it worked out all right. Uh, I was actually paying you a compliment in that yeah. previous statement, but anyway, you'll hear it uh, when it's when it airs. But yeah, <laughs> it's 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 just a revolving door and if it's done right and it's and it's done with uh, the right um advice and, yeah. Yeah, and and genuine about it, yeah. it's a great deal. It's a it's 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 awesome. Yeah. Well, what is it? in the words of in the words of Scrafty, there's a lot more to rodeo than just the rodeo. The rodeo itself. Oh yeah. There's <laughs> speaking of Doug Vold, there's a Doug Vold line right there. There's a lot more to rodeo than just rodeo. <laughs> That's true. Uh, that cool. Um, so then you know, proceed further in. You went bulldogging for quite some time. You you hauled all all our asses around to Little Bridges Rodeos and, and helped us become who who we've become uh, the hall of fame. Was that a feather in the cap to, to be recognized as, as one of the best ever and then go in the hall of fame forever? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an honor of course to get there and all the guys that have been there before. And I think I might've been the first bullfighter to go in there or whatever, but it was, yeah, it is. You're, you're recognized by your peers and, and uh, you know, the categories that you go to through to get there, whatever it's like, give back. Well, that's, I always want to give back and, and, uh, that's the only way this old sport's going to keep going is if we give back to it. Cause if you just take and take and take, it's going to be gone before we know it. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a huge honor. And, um, like I said, the guys that are in there with me and, and, uh, the guys to come, it's, it's a great place to be. When did you go to the, to the pink, uh, for those that don't know, everybody has, in those days, it was kind of the transition from being the clown to the bullfighter where you kind of had to do both entertain and then bullfight. And, um, where you, was that, did you do that? Did you do any of the, the funny stuff? I can't see you being very funny. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd had to been pissed and then you can't fight bulls and be pissed. You know what I mean? So it was, uh, no, I, I remember, um, Bob Tallman telling me when I went down to the deal, he goes, you got some acts to the convention. He said, do you got some acts and stuff? I said, I don't do comedy, man. Like I don't, I just don't feel comfortable with it. Well, he says, you know, you, you might have to, cause that's the way things roll down there is guys fought bulls and clowned. 
And uh, I said, well, and, and that was hard on my career at the start too, because if you didn't, they didn't want to hire you. They wanted to hire you for cheap as they could and, and uh, get both jobs out of you, right? So uh, I really didn't do anything. So it, a lot of people, they couldn't remember your name or different things, but they remember your outfit or your, uh, your costume kind of thing. So I thought, what the hell, let's go be different and stand out and I went with the pink and the pink stripes and, and, uh, it was good because a lot of people, like I said, didn't remember my name, but they'd saw me at a, uh, a rodeo or something somewhere and wanted to hire me to fight bulls. So. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, fuck you, Bob. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Bob, come back after. And, uh, and the funny story is that that same year, Skipper Voss come to me and says, you need to go to Mesquite. I said, Mesquite, Texas. And he goes, yeah. I said, they pay a hundred dollars a day. And he goes, uh, yeah, but he said, you got to get down there and get a start and get started down there. I said, I can't do it. Skip brother. Like that's a long way from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan and Mesquite, Texas for a hundred dollars. <laughs> and then after the next year, after we're at the bullfights in Denver and they brought a pen of bulls from Bradford Ivy, fresh print of Mexicans. And I'd never been around Mexicans before. And they're a lot littler, but quicker and, of course, being taller and stuff, it's it's a little bit of a hindrance sometimes. And uh, so I remember the first night out, I said to Skipper as we're leaving the dressing room, I said, how do you handle these little bastards? And he said, you just go and go and go and go. And he says, they're going to be on you like a little freaking pit bull. I said, okay. Well, I win the first round. I win the second round. I come in, I win the third round. Skipper walks over to me and sits down beside me. So he says, so how do you fight these men? <laughs> So we ended up splitting around the fourth night and he said, thanks. He said, I appreciate that. He said, <laughs> but yeah, then we, we laughed about that. We still do. He said, um, I seen him, I don't know, three or four years ago. He said, you've been to Mesquite yet? And I go, no. I <laughs> yeah. But Bob Tallman kind of said that I changed the way for lots of guys too. That that's just because then all of a sudden it went to just guys fighting bulls. Yeah. And they, and, and they, I think the level of guys, of course, come up too, right? Because if you just concentrate on one job, you're going to do a lot better than having to worry about doing a clown act just before you're going out and fighting bulls. So, yeah. Kind of well, changed the way. Well, thanks, Scott. Bob. <laughs> thank yeah, you, Bob. Thanks, Bob and Skipper. <laughs> yeah. Scott's talking about cloud of the getter. You actually going to do that, Scott? I don't know. I've tossed it around a little bit just to do it. I, I think it'd be fun. I got you got a barrel? No, but I know where I can get one. Oh, he's gonna do it. So it. so the oh, you know how the you got you marshmallows? Yeah, I, I that's what I said. All I gotta do is fucking shoot some marshmallows and play a tuba. I got an act right there. <laughs> I used to do that fucking premiumly anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny how it goes though, Braden. You know, he's kind of getting on his way. He's just at the very start of his career. But he he heard me say that the other night and I was kind of joking. He looks over, he goes, So does this mean you're gonna be at the rodeos? I'm gonna be at <laughs> yeah, and you'll be doing you'll be handing out candy and shit for me, son. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I'll tell bro. you what, if anybody's interested in the business and is half good at it, you'd make a killing right now because there's nobody. Well, exactly. Oh shit, eh? Yeah. That's Scott's plan. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly I'm gonna be mediocre at best and make some money. <laughs> Ah, uh, shit. Okay, well, we've been rolling here for a while. I don't want to keep you all day. You got judging to do. Got to get focused on that there, Fajr. Um, <laughs> But um, 
before we end up, got a few more questions for you. And then I got a whole bunch of shit that we got to bring you back for to talk about here in the future. But um, looking back on the career, I remember, you know, we always, you know, well, first of all, this this podcast went a lot better than the one that me and you did in the early days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hope nobody recorded that sucker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> secondly, um, going back onto, onto it all, and, and we always, you know, we tell stories and shit throughout the years and have you know been fortunate enough to just listen and and take it all in and then kind of try to live my life in different ways as that but what is there anything really that stands out to you maybe more than the other i remember you telling a story about sitting in a room with harry vold red steagle and those guys playing guitars as a kid but uh i know it's hard off the top of your head but is there a moment or anything that kind of sticks out more than than the others of of those times and and your your life that you lived in your career just but that's besides handing scott and i are our top student buckles besides those two moments besides those two moments okay now now i gotta think hard then Um, (laughs) uh, yeah you know what i i think probably the day or stepping into the nfr would be one of those days uh another one of those days i'm a real history buff kind of guy about rodeo and and i love the old legends and and guys like that so probably like sitting in that room with red steagle and harry bold and mr butler and and uh freckles brown was in there and that was the year i went down to denver and just listening to pick and grin and telling old stories those kinds of things you don't ever forget because you never know when they're going to be gone and when they are you can say that you took a little piece of them with you, like you, or you got a little piece of them or a piece of their history with you. So things like that, but probably the biggest things in my whole life is you three boys and what you've done. It's huge. Jesse takes the cake for right now. When he, when he did the, when he did the big hang up at the NFR or at the world finals, when he first made it, I remember that one. That was a big Uh, one. I got a good story on that one. Yeah. So we're sitting there and we're sitting in the stands and Jesse gets this hang up and it's wild and we're hung over and got the booze blues. I do. (laughs) That's a burn thing, by the way. Yeah, it is a burn thing. So Jesse does this hang up and gets this, gets him out of there and it was unreal. And well, he gets a standing ovation and, and I, I don't, I go stand up. I'm just kind of balling in my hands and I just sitting there and this lady slaps me on the back and she goes, get up. She goes, that son just saved them boy's life. And Rusty was just sitting beside me and he looked at that lady and said, well, that's his dad. And she goes, okay, you just sit there. And she started massaging. <laughs> yeah. She gave me a Kleenex to wipe my eyes. It was all- <laughs> and now just the accomplishments and, and everything in life. But most of it is like, even to this day, I have so many good memories of Kelly Lacoste. It's like the things that he taught me and the little things about the business and about how to treat people and how to get treated yourself too. Don't get run over and don't let people walk on you and, you know, right's right and wrong is wrong and tell somebody when they're bullshitting you and those things will stick you with you forever. And those are, uh, those are things that'll help you down the road, but it'll, it'll help change the business in a way of, of, uh, it's why, like I said, why I judge and stuff rules are rules and you got to follow the damn things. And that's like in life. So, um yeah those are probably the biggest 
things that I'll take out of this sport and the camaraderie, for, of course, from everybody. Um, I just have to bring up one story. Uh, <laughs> so back in 1996, I think it was. Uh, Let me go through have, my book here. And see yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. So Uncle Ryan gets the old time, or you had the old timer finals. It was just the finals in Medicine Hat. So it, it wasn't, I wasn't it was, an old timer. <laughs> no, 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 you weren't. But you know, you took that. We we all did. We take that kind of stuff because it pays the bills and why not, yeah. right? So, yeah. but anyways, I could fully tell you did not want to go to Medicine Hat in the fall uh, again to yeah. be there. Anyways, you offered it to me, and I'm like, anything with the word finals in it at yeah. that point and starting out in your career, you are yes, I am fully in. So, yeah. you had the contract worked for your kind of pay, right? So, yeah. I think at that time it was like maybe four or five hundred dollars a day. And yeah. I mean, I'm the new kid in the block. This is where you pay your dues. I'm not worth that. You know that. He goes, okay, I'll give I'll give you these files, but here's the deal. You're only getting 200 and I'm getting 250. I'm like, <laughs> I I had to pay my cut just to go do these finals. Fucking <laughs> he pockets like fucking seven, eight hundred dollars his pocket for doing nothing. But I'm I mean pleading that, the fifth. I'm pleading the fifth on <laughs> first, first lesson on business right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. I look back now and I laugh at that. Yeah. <laughs> One, one good one, too, I, that I wanted to ask you about, too, and then uh, you've seen them all from, from the get-go and then obviously stayed in touch through judging and then now, you know, watching me through my career ride and being on the road with me and all the boys and everybody. Bow rider, we ask a lot of people this on the pod. Best bow rider that you've ever seen fucking strapped to one? Well, I'm probably going to be with the rest, but I, I've seen guys like Denny Flynn. I've seen guys, Donnie Gay, I've seen... A lot of guys that can ride bulls, Wacy, Kathy, um, Tough, and all of them. Uh, JB, um, right now to Leme and all of the rest. But I think by far the most consistent and the um, most uh, that should be put on a pedestal as the best bull rider in the world, I think, is Jim Sharp. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. Eh? I've never yeah. seen a guy and. And uh, that had the the fortitude and the the just to go and get on every day and and he could he could he could ride every day if they had to and it's like I said it wouldn't have mattered if there was three perfs or ten perfs or fifteen perfs at the NFR he'd still beat you. Still roll. Do yeah. you do you do you agree with a lot? And you're dead on with probably ninety percent of the people we ask here. But do you agree that Jim made it look too easy? That was probably his biggest downfall. Yeah, yeah, probably. I, I'm, I'm sure he didn't get the points that he deserved at some places if, you know, and, and uh, yeah, he did. And he did make it look so easy. And another guy, I'll tell you that, is a guy in the bullfighting world is Rex Dunn. Rex Dunn should have won the world, I think, four or five times and never got it because they called him Mr. Smooth, but he was. He was so smooth, he made bulls look silly. They were bad. Uh, well, that probably uh x is out the next question that i was going to ask you too on the bullfighting side of things who was the best that you see seen do that and on top of that who was who was your guy that you like to work with you went from the the single bullfighter doing it by yourself a lot of the years then to the double and then to the to the three system too as well but um 
who is the best that you see do it? Maybe freestyle wise, all around cowboy protection wise. And then who is your, who is your guy that, that you like to work with or, or you kind of had the, the most, uh, most in common with maybe, or who you like working with? Yeah. Well, like up here, there's kind of, it was two different worlds, like as far as when we went up here and, and down there, but it, not as a quality or anything like that, but it just the guys up here it was probably with Brett Rains and I worked a lot with Brett and, and, uh, you know, just kind of whoever, like uh, Raymond was up here too at that time. But um, as far as down south, of course, number one would be Rex. Rex was my hero. But I really looked up a lot to Skipper Voss because Skipper and I were about the same size mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of fought bulls the same way, straight up and in their face kind of thing. And, and um, but there's like guys. And then as far as a freestyle guy goes that, I think would in hands down be my favorite would be miles. Yeah. Miles could step around bulls very well, but I mean, Rex, Rex should have won the world, but uh, miles was a, a different kind of cat. He, uh, and miles was a game player too. Like he, he'd tell you, but he could get in your head real quick, but that was the <laughs> game. And that was the part of it. So, but I respect those guys. Of course, Smets, Smets his head on and go to balls to the walls. So he just, he had his own way of doing. I don't think anybody could do what Smets did, but it was uh, by my favorite of all though, it'd be Rex then. Yeah. Nice. Boom. Hey, when, when uh, I've just got shit popping in my head now, I know we got to fucking mm -hmm. wrap it up, but uh, when like, when those guys like tough and lane and uh, Ty and Cody, when they rolled into a rodeo, was it like they say, like, they knew that those guys were coming to take their money or they like a, a whole different level and kind of, you know, the guys that started the PBR, all that sort of stuff. What was it like being around all those guys in those days? Yeah. It was like the party in the seas yeah. when they came up, but it was when they first started coming up, it was like the bud series um, that you had qualified to go into Calgary and stuff and, and the Labatt series. So I got to see a lot of them and then I, I saw quite a bit of them down South, but yeah, when they all rolled into town, it was like, oh, shit, I'm up in the same perf as them guys. You know what I mean? So, and they would, they would, uh, one of them was going to win out of that truck and it didn't matter what was going to happen. Uh, that was their attitude walking in. And they weren't, don't get me wrong, they weren't cocky and walking on people or whatever. They were very respectful guys, but they were champs and they, uh, they were going to come and they were going to take the money. And, uh, they, uh, they all could ride, they all could back up what they, you know, what they were pushing. And, and, uh, like I said, they did, they did a lot for the rodeo business. And of course with the PBR and stuff like that, but they did a lot for the rodeo in general, um, in their era, they brought a lot of hype and TV and a lot of, uh, George Michaels, the whole bit, right. They followed them and, and brought the, uh, brought the rodeo business to, to television and, to a viewing audience. So yeah, they were, you damn sure knew they were in town anyway. Yeah, that's cool. George Michael fucking sports machine, baby. Yeah, you grew up yeah. on those tapes. Yeah. <laughs> George Michaels. Okay, Scott, you got to hit him with our infamous question, my friend. Well, Uncle Ryan, it's been so fun. I got tears in my eyes just from laughing at stuff. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, what you've done for the sport and, uh, especially like obviously the bullfighting, but uh, if anybody can answer this question, um, we have our take on NFP. What is yours? 
My take on NFP is, uh, of course, what it stands for, but um, I think it's honesty, integrity. Um, your word is your bond. Your handshake is your bond. Um, you never, you never let the friend down. You never turn your back on a friend, and you give it one hundred and twenty percent all the time. And it don't matter if you're hurt, if you're injured, or you're whining or crying. You uh, you get out there and you do what you do and and what you signed up for and and uh, and you hope for the best. But yeah, there's no no fucking pussies. <laughs> uh, I like nice. it. Jason, you got anything? I just I just want to thank you for the all the ass cussings and fucking all the abuse and everything over the last 25 years. I appreciate it all. Well, you know what? I, I thank you. And, and if I didn't love you, I wouldn't cuss your ass or treat you like shit sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I found out that- the hard way. But you know what? Back to the when you talk about remembering things it's the room and i know that's one thing i learned from you is enjoy being in that clown room bullfighter room that locker room that is that is the best memories one will have for a lifetime and and i got to share them with with you with scott you know uh liesel mr rudy burns kelly lacoste you know like and and you you did give a shit what those guys said. And I think for any young guys starting right now, if you think you're going to go about this business and not respect the guys that came before you, good luck. Because yeah. I've seen a few come and go over the years. And the ones that come and go real quick are the, them are them guys that don't, you know, don't respect um, the business. Yeah. And I, I have to agree with that. Respect is the whole thing. And, like I've lots of people think I'm a grumpy old bastard sometimes, but I, I don't, I don't, like putting, I don't like putting up with bullshit and people that talk through the side of their mouth or talk bad about people behind their back. If you got something to say to somebody, go say it in their face. Mm-hmm. And if you got something to tell somebody that's constructive, tell them. And if they need to be told you're a piece of shit, well, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's this world's too screwed up as it is. And we let too much shit go by. I like it. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, Amen. I wonder where you get that from. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Scott, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, this was so much fun. And uh, I uh, I thank you for stepping in the arena in 1977. And uh, as I get older, I get a little more throat lumpish, but I truly mean that. And it's carried right on to my son and and, and my two sons in rodeo period. So uh, you did a hell of a job of creating a, a uh, legacy and a, and a corporation of, of rodeo athletes. Well, thank, thank you very much. And I uh, love having you guys doing it and watching you guys and, and continuing and keeping the name rolling. And, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be alive for a long time. Hell yeah. I'll work on the dirt. I'll work on getting my dirt lined <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, I can tell Blaine now. I'm sorry for cussing him everywhere in the world. Because yeah, you know what? I walked. I walked over to him. I said, "I'm just glad this is Tanner's dirt and not ours." <laughs> I bet he just looked and grinned. Yeah, he, yep. he just nodded up yeah. and down. It yeah. was pouring fucking pouring rain in Pinocchio the next day, and he goes. Well, your dirt would have handled this. 
That's what I mean. You give it, you better be able to take it. Better take her back. Uh, no, that's great. Dad, appreciate you very much coming on here. Like I say, um, got papers of more stuff to go. And uh, every time we get together, there's always more stories that come up that, that need to be told. Like you say, Doug Vold could could write a book and it's the exact same to you, the life that you've lived, the places that you've been and what you've done for all of us. It's uh, truly amazing. So I thank you. I'll go fucking feed your bulls and cows for you <laughs> while you're on the road. <laughs> okay, I'll but keep, no, the, I'll keep the PBR and the world champion on the line here. So. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Well, yeah, love you. And uh, thanks for doing this. This has been our interview with Ryan Byrne. Thank you. In Cheyenne, in the Justin Sweet, where all the cowboys like to meet, we're drinking beer and singing cowboy songs. Hawkeye said, you know what I like? About a cowboy's way of life Every damn thing, hoss, I like her all So we're singing this for all our cowboy friends Then we'll sing it all together In Fort Worth or in Denver, San Antonio, El Paso, Cheyenne Yes, we're singing this for all our cowboy friends Like Roy Cooper, Larry Dawson, Ed Workman Bobby Brown, Bobby Berger, Scotty Platts Bob Marshall, Frank Shepperson, Larry Mahan, Leo Reg, H.P., Jimmy Dix, Ernie Taylor, Walt Garrison, Donnie Gay, Hawkeye.